I find that there's a connection between stress resilience and routine and homeostasis. And, you know, like you said, you can do small little things, but if Sarah, for example, went too fast, that could easily just be a, a lack of stress resilience that her body was, you know, affected so much more by that mold because she did this, she went from that extreme lean state to then gaining weight really, really fast. And I've seen this, I've, I have a client who stopped doing CrossFit and she was really lean. She was really muscular. And she just like went all in with the meta, pro metabolic thing. And she stopped training because she did have a few issues. And then she ended up gaining a lot of weight and she, she came to me and she has like panic attacks. Now it's affecting everything. And this is just like not healthy. I mean, it's affecting her mindset. It's affecting her, you know, all different aspects of her life. It's affecting her sleep now, everything. And in the pro-metabolic space, they often call it, they like to put little names on things. So they often call it like estrogen dump or, you know, a parasite dump And there's all these things. But at the end of the day, sometimes it's just, you just went too fast with what you were doing. You just gained weight too quickly. Like it's not necessarily, oh, my body's dumping estrogen. So, you know, we'll come around soon and we'll all be back to normal. But, you know, if you just, you need to do things more gradually, you need to slowly reverse diet, slowly increase your food, keep a little bit of healthy exercise in there, keep movement in for sure, like daily walking and all of that. And I think that that's, I, I just, I've seen the same trend with a lot of clients where they didn't just become, you know, overweight and less healthy. They, they actually became less resilient to stressors in life whether that's work stress, mental stress, health stress, everything. So I think that there's definitely a connection there and I've seen it with other clients as well. Welcome to the Weight Loss for Women podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can eat more, train less and lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way. I'm Kitty Bluefield, co-founder of New Strength and Saturate, creator of pro-metabolic food supplements and seriously saturated skincare. And I have got an awesome lineup for you today on the podcast. I'm joined by uh, Libby Westcombe and Ash Armstrong from Strong Sisters. We love these guys. They're amazing, so knowledgeable, strong. You should go and follow them on Instagram. Uh, and also I've got sausage. Hi, sausage. Poor right. old Craig. Thanks for having me. Great pleasure as always. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Uh, always with you guys. And they've the oh, these guys have all been on the po- obviously Craig's on the podcast every fucking week, but these guys have been on the podcast numerous times. Um, oh god, what have we done topics on? The most recent one I think was with Louie, and we did it on recovery, HRV, and cardio. So that's a good one to listen to. Ash, we did one on um, veganism. Yes, and don't be vegan. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a good one too. go back and watch that. But then we've done other, I've done other, other ones with them anyway. So today's a bit of a, there's not really one specific topic we wanted to talk about, but just a lot of things that come up for all of us, like these, these things that we see consistently with women who have stumbled into the pro-metabolic world and, you know, initially um, have just, they eat and eat and eat. Cause I think a lot of women like me and Ash come from these restrictive backgrounds where we've like cut carbs and calories and sugar um, and then they come into the pro-metabolic world and they're like, oh, yay, eat ice cream and, you know, all of these really delicious foods, but they're not really encouraged to track. So it's very easy, I think, to overeat and overconsume. And it's all about the healing. But then so many of them, especially the ones I talk to, like, oh, my God, kid, I've gained like 20 kilos, you know, um, and they're just feeling really crap. And oh, sometimes some of their symptoms actually have gotten worse. Um, so I think that's probably the first topic that we wanted to touch on. Uh, so I don't know who wants to, I'll hand it over to the panel. 
who wants to start? So I'll start briefly um, because Sarah and I, on a relative time scale, I think that Sarah and I kind of experienced this relatively recently. So to provide a brief background, um, if there is something on the like restrictive diet list, different habits or diets that you can try, Sarah and I have done them all. And we came from carnivore fasting background. We did that for about a year. Prior to that, we tried keto. Um, and so we were in that restrictive realm. And then we stumbled upon pro-metabolic where a lot of things are just like, you know, everything's fair game. Um, and Sarah and I came into this space. We approached it at different speeds. And as a result, we had different outcomes. Sarah, full speed ahead, gained weight very quickly, got her period back right away stopped working out, gained a lot of weight. She saw immediate benefits, but then a few months later, she got worse. Um, we moved into a moldy home and she became very susceptible to that mold. She got estrogen overload because of her excessive weight gain. And Sarah and I have, were in the same environments and I didn't experience those things because I eased my way into it and I didn't gain as much weight coming out of keto and carnivore and fasting. And I wasn't affected as much by the mold. And so Sarah and I, same like environment, same living conditions at the farm. And we had different symptoms as an outcome of relative speed of weight gain. And again, I'm not saying weight gain is bad. I gained some weight myself, but it was a relatively slow pace. And I needed to, cause like Kitty, Kitty said, we were can, coming from a relatively restricted. Can I just cut in period. just quickly, just to yeah, yeah. say one, just for you to talk a little bit, expand on this. So one, like you guys were really underweight. Like when I look at some of your photos, you guys were extremely lean. Like what was your lowest body weight that you got to? Uh, I was probably like 125 pounds. Okay. Let me work that out in kilos. So 50 so, kilos. How tall are you? Um, five, four and a half. Yeah, so you're short, but still 56 kilos that you were really, really, really lean. So yeah. some, one thing that I notice is so many of the women that we work with, they're not like that to start with. Yeah. They're already but seeing it, a much higher body fat percentage. Sarah was even leaner because she did a bikini competition the year prior um, and was very lean, like 111 pounds. And she's taller than me, five, six. And she gained like 60 pounds in the span of like a few months maybe half a year or so um, because that was kind of the mindset and the thinking that was thrust into us. And she noticed right, negative health to pro-metabolic. Yeah. Yeah. So was, a huge I, difference in I think it was like a span of a year or so. Um, and then I gained, I think like 20 pounds and I needed to gain those 20 pounds. Maybe it's more like 15, 15 to 20 pounds. And so we came from a similar starting point. We were at different endpoints. And as a result, we had different health outcomes due to the mold exposure at the home and other things at the farm. And so that's just an example of like how if you overdo the weight gain, it can lead to worse health outcomes. Um, she was dealing with really bad estrogen dominance where she became sensitive to foods that she wasn't sensitive to before and certain things like that. Whereas kind of easing into it, you can like 
safely gain some certain weight. So I don't know. That's just. And Ash, sorry, one more thing. So when you say weight gain, you mean fat gain, hey? So you like you didn't gain muscle. You guys just stopped training and you just gained all fat, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So not necessarily weight gain isn't. That's a good. That's a good. Yeah, because some women, like, you know, Libby's work with people, women like this, so is Craig, where they've come in small and undernourished, under eating, and they've, you know, as an example, Kathleen, perfect example. Like she's put on, I don't know, five pounds, but her body fat stayed the same, but she's put on nearly all muscle, some fat, and all her cycle issues have improved as well. So it's like, but you guys, you know, you, you stopped training, right? And you just ate. Yeah. Yeah. Quickly gained a lot of fat. Yeah. And just as a note, Sarah has, I think Sarah looks great and she's now achieved body recomposition. She's lost weight. She's at a very like great body weight place. And so she was able to come back from that place where, where she reached. Um, but she has talked about numerously how it negatively impacted her mindset as well. Um, kind of like lost touch with what we were doing before in terms of health and wellness made like a complete 180. And I think whenever there, whenever someone promotes something that is complete 180 degree direction of what you were doing, you should always be like cautious of that because again, extremes are never good. And I feel like Libby, you have just been an example of like balance is where health is. Um, and so, yeah, I just thought that that was an interesting story, how Sarah and I had kind of different, I wasn't as impacted by the mold. And so I don't know if that was something about just my innate immune system or the relative gain of weight, gain of fat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can I ask you a question? If you were to go back knowing what you know now, what would you guys do differently? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I honestly, another important thing, which we will get into, I think later in this conversation is at the time where we were keto carnivore and for many years prior, we were very into powerlifting. And so powerlifting is a little bit different, is very different than bodybuilding where the goal with powerlifting is to try to lift as much weight as possible. So it is very stressful on your overall body, your central nervous system, because it is taxing like every joint and ligament that you have to be able to lift max reps. And so I think it's confusing when some people say you should just be doing heavy strength training because there there's a wide spectrum of heavy strength training. And so previously we were just doing powerlifting. And so that was very stressful on our body. I think knowing what I know now, I would have said, okay, you don't have to stop training, maybe take much more of a bodybuilding approach where it's not as taxing on your overall system and you can target specific muscles and not be as fatigued. So I would have reduced the, um, training frequency and reduced the weight that I was using. Cause I was deadlifting like really heavy, like unnecessarily heavy weights. So I would have done more of a bodybuilding style training split. And, um, I think that our approach was a little bit too quickly with adding carbohydrates. And we would have done a little bit more of a slower transition where, you know, you assess where you're at fat and carb wise and reduce the fat, increase carb, reduce fat, increase carb. Um, so that's kind of the approach that I would have taken. Um, I remember of- also talk, sorry to cut you off, but talking to you initially and you went from like, you guys tracked religiously for years. And then I remember you like, I'm not tracking at all. So you went from one and then you came back to the tracking. Hey, um, I still, I still tracked. So mm. I kind of, 
like loosely, all of us have tracked for so long where it just becomes like second nature. You know what, like what roughly a balanced meal is and how much protein, like you, you understand these things, but, um, I would say I loosely tracked and just added in food a little bit too quickly in terms of just adding in carbs while eating high fat. I think that that's a, that's a very important thing you see a lot of people doing coming from keto is like, oh, carbs are okay. So I'm just going to add carbs on top of what I was doing before. No, no, no. You have to like transition out of that a little bit. So I think that, um, tweaking that transition out would have been a little bit, um, better. Hopefully. It's probably hard too. Cause I also, I'm just remembering, cause I've obviously known you guys for like, I yeah. remember the conversations you had, but I remember you talked about this doctor. Was she a doctor that you worked with initially? And she was like, cut all exercise, increase your food to like really high. And you guys were like, okay, this yeah, is what but, we're going to do. Yeah. So honestly, at that point I was kind of desperate because it'd been 12 years without a period. And I was just like, I'm just going to listen to anyone. And it was, do you guys, you know, Stephanie Buttermore? Stephanie Buttermore. Um, she's like famous on YouTube about like, you know, the whole, uh, I forgot the trend of what she said, like the all in, all in, mm-hmm. all in is her, like, oh, campaign. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's famous. Yeah. I remember seeing that. Yeah. Um, and so she was very influenced and interviewed, uh, Dr. Nicola Rinaldi. Mm, that's yeah, that's really, the one. That's yep. the one. Yep. Um, and so she's helped a ton of women get their period back and it was, you need to eat minimum 2,500 calories a day and limit your activity to like almost nothing. And then if you do work out, you should be consuming like 3000 calories or something like that. Um, which I mean, for most very lean people, they, they do need to eat more. So that's who we were really influenced by. And I think that it's overall a great message for a certain target population, whereas another target population, that's not the approach. So I think that it's important to distinguish Sarah and I coming, came from a very lean background where we did need to gain some fat. And so I think other people come into the pro metabolic space from a completely different angle. Mm. Yeah. Okay. What Craig and Libby, what do you um, I just, something that jumped out to me with what you were saying is that I've seen this with clients. I feel like there is a decrease in stress resilience when you put your body through something extreme and it doesn't matter what end that is. If it's going into like an extreme diet and doing a, maybe a, you know, a bodybuilding comp or a figure comp, you'll lose a bit of stress resilience in the other way as well. Cause your, your body's going out of that homeostasis. And I find that there's a connection between stress resilience and routine and homeostasis. And, you know, like you said, you can do small little things. But if Sarah, for example, went too fast, that could easily just be a, a lack of stress resilience that her body was, you know, affected so much more by that mold because she did this. She went from that extreme lean state to then gaining weight really, really fast. And I've seen this. I've, I have a client who stopped doing CrossFit and she was really lean. She was really muscular and she just like went all in with the meta, pro metabolic thing and she stopped training because she did have a few issues and then she ended up gaining a lot of weight and she she came to me and she has like panic attacks now it's affecting everything and this is just like not healthy I mean it's affecting her mindset it's affecting her you know all different aspects of her life it's affecting her sleep now everything and in the pro metabolic space they often call it they like to put little names on things so they often call it like estrogen dump or you know a parasite dump and there's all these things but at the end of the day sometimes it's just you just went too fast with what you were doing. You just gained weight too quickly. Like it's not necessarily, oh, my body's dumping estrogen. So 
you know, we'll come around soon and we'll all be back to normal. But, you know, if you just, you need to do things more gradually, you need to slowly reverse diet, slowly increase your food, keep a little bit of healthy exercise in there, keep movement in for sure, like daily walking and all of that. And I think that that's, I, I just, I've seen the same trend with a lot of clients where they didn't just become, you know, overweight and less healthy. They, they actually became less resilient to stressors in life whether that's work stress, mental stress, health stress, everything. So I think that there's definitely a connection there and I've seen it with other clients as well. And I like Can maybe I... what you, oh, sorry, just what you said about the mental side of it too. Yeah, that's like, huge. And yeah. you know, these women, like they're athletes and I can attest to this, the whole TTC journey, like I even myself got sucked in thinking like, like I moved away from looking at the data. So like my cycle was fine. My sleep was fine. Like I was all fine. And then the further we got into it, the more I pulled away from what felt aligned to me and the more I tried to focus on it and control it and the more body fat I put on and the more I stopped training I did this the program with Amy which was good to just work with Amy because I love her but you know like I'm like you just did this stretching shit like thinking that it's and like for a week I felt better I was like okay this is the solution and then I was like this isn't the fucking solution and then I was and I was waking up like six times a night my cycle was fucked yeah. And now that I'm back to like, Craig's like, oh, you're probably the leanest you've been for ages. And like your cycle is like normal again, you sleep good most of the time. Like if I'm not, you know, stressed about work or something, but you know, I think it's that it's what I'm taking away from you guys. And is that it's don't jump from one extreme to the next. There's this middle ground where you can meet, where you can still like, if someone's obviously you know, like massively overtraining and under eating, maybe pull back the training 25%, increase the food 25%, you know, like, and then you're going to find this happy medium. So really quickly there, Kitty, you asked if there was something that you would have done differently in the transition back then, it would have been someone telling me that there is more you can do in your life to reduce stress than just exercise and food. Mental, emotional work relationship, from my experience, those like impact about the same, if not more than like the amount of food that you're eating. And so it's funny that I got my period back, like after I made the decision to pursue what I actually wanted to do in life and not do something that my peers have been putting on me for like 10 years. Like I made a huge career change in being aligned mm. mentally, physically, emotionally with that decision, mm. let so much off of me. Right. And so I think something that I wish I could have told myself three years ago was there's more to reducing stress than just food and exercise. And you should also prioritize those things. And those will help move the needle forward a ton. Oh, that's so true. Like, cause I'd say we're all very consistent with what we do in terms of our food and our steps and our getting sunlight. Like I, I can do the exact same shit every fucking day, but then like my mind is just so active. And if I, if there's anything stressing me like emotionally or work-wise and I go to bed and I can't switch off, like it's, it's, I can feel that I'm stressed. I do the fucking breathing, you know, do everything. <laughs> and then as soon as it's resolved, I'm sleeping. Even though I've done everything the same with my food, my training, everything. You're so right. That's such a massive part of it, I think. And it's an alignment thing too. It's not just yes. stress. 
because we can all handle stress. Like I can, I can have an emergency happen in my business. My website's down, everything's going crazy and I can still handle it, but it's that alignment. So I feel like it, whatever you're doing in life has to align with like your core values. And as soon as something's moving away from a core value, that's really stressful for me as well. And I know, I mean, we can talk more about like the whole feminine and masculine energy, but I feel as females that that's something that's probably the most stressful from what, cause obviously I just work with females. So Craig it's stressful for men as well, but with my partner, he can kind of, he doesn't, he doesn't get as affected if that makes sense. Like I have to be really in alignment that that's what makes me happy and fulfilled. And then I'm healthy just just because I'm in alignment with my everything. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that so much. Libby. I'm the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's like it's eating me, it's like something will eat yeah. at me, like, and I wrestle with it. Yeah. And once it's once it's resolved and I'm like, yeah, cool, I feel better at this. Like, you know, when you make these big decisions mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I just, I can actually feel it. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Like, say, are you doing the work that you love? Are you in a relationship that you really, you know, that you love the person? Um, you know, are you like, and this might sound, you guys will appreciate this, but like now that I'm back to, you know, we decided not to have a baby and I'm back into training, I'm going to go train with someone. So I'm just so happy. Like just back in alignment again with how I want to be and what I want to do that I just feel so happy. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, that's a massive, um, I don't know, Craig, do you have any comments about? Yeah, it's, it's, I, I agree with all of that. I, I think there's an interesting correlation that I've seen with clients over time where it's, you know, <clears throat> just at a, at a basic level, you know, like if you're worried about something, change it. If you can't change it, stop worrying about it. And I've seen it with clients where uh, a couple more recently, one person in particular, where she was living in the city, you know, she's got a pretty stressful job. There was lots of things going on and like her, her sleep just wasn't, it was what just wasn't something we, we could really get, you know, it was just like she got the aura ring. So I could really look at data a little bit more closely and the time to go in bed and whatever. And it's like, we, she was doing everything perfectly and it just, things just weren't improving. And then she ended up moving out of her place and moving out of the city, like a hundred miles out of the, out of the city into the country and, and into a small apartment. Literally she was super stressed, obviously moving because moving house is never fun. Literally the, the first night she was all settled, bang, sleep next night, bang. And she's sending me her sleep scores and she's like 91, 92, like two and a half hours of Ram, like two hours of deep sleep. It, like literally for her, she was doing everything right. And she was seeing, functional medicine doctors she's doing hyperbaric chamber she was doing the infrared so like she was doing fuck it throwing the kitchen sink at that <laughs> and in her situation it was just because of her environment and the stress that she has with work and everything like that she literally just needed to pick herself up remove herself out of that environment and it bang overnight and i think for a lot of people it's like if you can make that change or make some drastic change you should absolutely do it but if you can't then you just go well i need to accept this there's a level of acceptance of like, this is my reality with whatever is going on. I just need to like legitimately, you know, accept it at a fundamental level. And I think things will just improve. And I just, I've seen it enough with clients and even with you, Kitty, like you were seeing the doctors and you were you know, just doing everything. I'm working with Georgie, taking all, all these supplements and whatever. And it's just like, nothing was changing. You were waking up four times a night to piss and it, and it happened for like nearly two years. And then the moment that your whole mindset changed, we're not going to have this baby, whatever. It was almost instant bang, started sleeping through the night. All that anxiety left. I think it's just, it's, I, I hate stress for the fact that 
Uh, we know that it's there and we know it has a, measure, a massive impact, but I can't measure it objectively when I'm working with clients, which I fucking hate. So it's like, it's one of these things we've just got to ask better questions. I'm like, what's really going on in your life? Like, what's your relationship like? How are things with the kids? And it's just like, are there any big rocks like this that you can actually shift? And because I think, just- I think Libby nailed it with the alignment thing. Cause it's more about like, cause like, obviously stress is a normal part of fucking life, but you should be able to deal with stress and have resilience. Like we all have stress. Like there's in, in our day-to-day businesses, because we all chat, you know, shit happens with clients and like, you know, there's issues that happen with Saturday. And I think I can handle that stress because you're doing what you love and you just know that that's life and this part. But then there's like you're saying, it's when something is like trying to have a baby when potentially you don't want to have a baby in a relationship that you don't actually really want to be in, <laughs> you know, like Ash with your yeah. ex-boyfriend, you know, like just shit like that or like doing, you know, Craig in our business he's finally stepped out of coaching and just coaching the team. Like he was like, I was just really ready for that. Like I was feeling so stressed about it because I just, this is, it wasn't in alignment with what I wanted to do. And then after that, you're like, okay, I feel good. And we still have stress, obviously <laughs> shit yeah. happens. But and that was, a, bit, that was a big rock that needed to be removed. Yeah. And now things are just better because yeah. I'm focusing on the things that need to be focused on and it's, it's better. Yeah. I think a, a really important point about all of this is, no amount of food is going to fix that. Yeah. So eating, eating 3000, 3,500, 4,000 calories a day is not going to help you resolve that problem. You of course need to eat enough food to meet your demands so that you can handle that stress, but forcing more food and more food and more food on top is not actually fixing the problem. And so I know a lot of people will say like, well, I can't, you know, I, I can't make this change in my life because that's how I just have to get by right now. I think analyzing your priority list and if you have too much on your plate, maybe you said yes to something that you really shouldn't have said yes to. Taking a look at those type of things because that's unnecessarily adding mental and emotional stress. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think just the moral of this point is maybe like eating more and more and more and more food is not actually going to help you move forward in your health at a certain point. Mm, mm. And so maybe, sorry, I just wanted to say like, cause we started to talk about people gaining weight with pro-metabolic eating. So I want to give people some practical tips. So if let's just say there's a woman and she's new to pro-metabolic eating and she's been restricting for a long time or binge eating restricting, how, how would you guys say she should approach it? And so that she can limit fat gain, like loads of fat gain. What would you suggest? Me? Yeah. You go, Libby. Wait, 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 real quick. Your question. She's already gained the weight or she's coming into pro-metabolic? Well, let's say she's just new to pro-metabolic eating. So she's been doing some restrictive dieting, you know, like keto, Weight Watchers, <laughs> carnivore, cutting the carbs, you know, everything. Yeah. Libby, you start. Yeah. I think that the first thing to do would just to be established establishing what you're eating. Like that's, I feel like people just don't even do this. They just want to go straight to like, Ooh, this new diet or straight to fat loss, but we got to establish what we're eating. So even just, you know, get a tracking app, start tracking what you're eating every day. And, you know, you have some pretty big, like aha moments when you see if you're eating like 120 grams of fat, and then you're eating like 300 grams of carbs as well, you know, that's quite a lot for most women. So if you just start with that, I would hundred percent, like the amount of times that I bring a new client on and we do like a bit of a audit, like an energy audit, as I call it. And they just track what they're currently eating, just the act of doing that. And the awareness that comes from that 
already will make a big difference. And you'll already realize you'll start to learn more about different foods and like, you know, maybe don't have like the smash the butter on the toast and all the full cream milk at the same time, you know, like just little things like that. So I think that's huge in terms of, you don't have to get into the nuts and bolts of tracking everything right away and hitting targets, but just start with that, honestly. And then from there, you know, you can make your targets, you know, a super simple thing is just to always base every snack and meal around protein and then put your carbs and fats around that, you know, there's different things you can do, but yeah, that's where I would start. That's what I would tell someone to start with. It's just that initial audit of what are you actually doing? Cause if you don't measure what you, if you don't know what you're currently doing, you can't change. Mm. 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 Hundred percent. Like I always say to women, when you use this analogy, like let's say you're in a business and it's failing, you know, you're losing money, and you hire this consultant to come in and help you. The first thing they ask is, "Can you show me your numbers?" But you don't track anything. So how do they? They can't give you any advice because mm. you know. And maybe this is a good to lead into one of the questions that I've written down about tracking. And so a lot of women that I speak to are like, "Oh, Kitty, I don't want to track. It's too restrictive. It's going to stress me out." Let's talk about that. So I think it's important. All of us probably view similarly. You don't have to track. Like if you're happy with where you're at, if you're healthy, if you feel good and confident in your appearance and your body metrics and your temperature, your everything, your health, you don't have to track. But if you want to make changes in something, tracking is a very useful tool to help you get there quicker. Mm. And I think if we just like, remove this idea that tracking is an eating disorder, just like literally just toss that out the window and just realize that it is a tool to help you achieve your goal faster. It can really help change your mindset. Lane Norton. So if anyone follows him um, on Instagram, he uses a great analogy. Do you track your finances? Do you track how much you spend and how much you make? Because at the end of the month, you've got to be able to pay your bills it's kind of a similar thing there. Like if you want a certain target or a certain goal, it's just tracking is just a really great way. And it's not a forever thing. It doesn't have to be a forever thing, but if what you're doing right now isn't working and you aren't tracking, maybe be open to the idea that tracking could help you get there and it can help you be a little bit more. There's a research study showing that for people who have goals, if they, track data while working towards that goal, they achieve the goal faster and they have a significantly higher success rate than those that don't track data. Um, and so that's kind of how I view it. I'm very scientific mind leaning. Um, but I think that's my thoughts on tracking food. I think it can be a really useful habit to just learn how to do. I think, you know, like I'm not a very scientific person, like these guys are awesome. They're all into the studies and stuff. And, you know, like I'm not a coach, but you know, and I've come from that really crazy restrictive dieting, like just dumb shit and, you know, tracking to eat 1200 calories. And when I first started, I was like, oh, this is, I'm not going to like this. You know, it's too restrictive. Cause I was always extreme. Like it was either eating 1200 calories or going out in the weekend and eating 10,000 calories and drinking a lot of alcohol. And so when I worked with Emma and worked with Craig initially, I was like, okay, I just have to shift my mindset. This isn't about restriction. This is about, okay, I really want to get, make, get this body. I want to have this strong. I wanted to build muscle because Craig obviously introduced me to strength training. And I was like, I'm going to be able to actually eat more. And like, when I started to track and plan ahead, I was like, fuck, I can actually, I don't, I can achieve my body composition goals without eating 1200 calories. And I get to eat like, 
delicious food every single day. Like I, I actually proved to myself that I could eat sugar and eat carbs and drink juice. And then I could build out these amazing meal plans of food that I enjoy every single day. And then I realized too, like once I tracked for a while and got to a, like where I was happy with my body composition, I was like, I can either track and like on the weekends now, you know, I don't track strictly. Like I'll sort of eat the same breakfast and I was, Libby and I were talking about this and like for dinner, we'll go out, but I don't stress about it because I can just make good choices. I eat till I'm full. There's no more of this, like I've got to have these epic binges because I am eating foods I enjoy every single day because I'm in control of my food, you know, and what I see consistently with our, our, our clients is that the ones that track accurately and consistently seem to be able to eat more food and still lose weight. And I'm like, who doesn't want that? And it just, every single testimonial I do in it, and when I interview people on podcasts, they all say to me, the, tr- the tracking is freeing because I have the knowledge. And I know now that if I do put some body fat on, it's not that hard to get it off. And I don't have to do drastic stuff. Mm. Yeah. It takes the emotion out of it. It becomes rather than an emotional thing that's out of your control, it becomes something that you can completely control. And that's, again, that's very like relaxing to your brain, knowing that you're not just going to blow up and gain five kilos or 10 kilos. Like people are scared of that. They message me sometimes and there's so much like fear in their voice. And it's like, I just, I've gained five kilos. I don't want to gain another 10. What do I do? Like, how do I stop? And that would never be a question for me ever. So that is like so reassuring. I mean, it's not about being obsessive. It's just about having the knowledge and the power. Like you don't, like you said, with the finances, you don't just never look at your bank account and you're just like, God, I just hope there's money in there. I hope there's enough, you know, you know, I hope I'm not spending too much and all this kind of stuff. You look at it and that's reassuring for you. It's the same kind of thing. Um, But then also from another angle, completely different angle, it's almost like pick your obsession because I look at these people and they're so obsessive with all their other stuff they're obsessive with measuring their vitamin e and their red light therapy and their can't have the oxalates and can't do this and must do this and like far out that would that would just no thanks man i'm just gonna eat what i like what i love track it because i want to know how much i'm eating but like there's this other there's this whole entire like someone told me the other day they can't have greens but they can't have microgreens I'm like, what? Like, it's just talk about obsessions. Like, wow. I've, I've honestly never met more obsessed people than pro metabolic people. And yet they're saying that tracking's obsessive. It's like, why don't you just, you know, look at it from a very logical standpoint. Um, are we actually obsessive or did we just kind of pick our thing that we want to, you know, be into? That's literally all it is. Like we want to track, we want to have that reassurance and knowing what we're putting in our body from a very scientific standpoint, knowing the actual macronutrients not just guessing, you know, but yeah, like I'm not obsessive about all the other stuff. So I think sometimes, you know, do you know what though, Libby, I think too, like, so and you, you do calls with women. So, so, and again, I'm just, this is the things they say to me. I'm not saying this kitty, you know, like ask them, what do they want to achieve? And like how it's affecting life. I am exhausted. I am so sick of thinking about food constantly. I obsess over what I can eat, what I can't eat. You know, I just don't know anymore. Then I fall off the wagon and I binge, you know, and I'm, I just, that's all I think about all the time. And I used to be the same. I just constantly be thinking about food. Like it just sucked my energy. But now that I track, I don't, so really, I don't really think about it at all. Like obviously I think about the start of the week when I'm building up my plan and I'm thinking, yeah. and I always crap onto Craig. I'm like, how good's my meal plan this week? Like I'm having beef burgers for dinner and tacos. And then I'm like rotating through spaghetti bolognese this week. And I'm like, oh, I just am so happy. I get to eat all of this delicious food every single day. 
And I say to them, I'm like, so imagine if you took all of that energy that you're, mm. you're, you're using now and you put some of it into learning how to track, doing some exciting meal plans with food you actually fucking enjoy. Mm. <laughs> wouldn't, like, wouldn't that be? And they're like, yeah, you're right, Kitty. I'm like, of course I'm right. Like, trust us. This and, and all the energy that they're spending searching for all the magic diets and searching <laughs> for all that stuff. Like, that's a lot of wasted energy. It's totally. Yeah. This shit is life-changing. I always say them like, look, you will do this and you'll be like, fuck, why did I waste so many years of my life jumping from, because once you know the basic stuff and like, I don't have the knowledge that you guys have. I have knowledge, obviously, but it's like, once you learn all the basics around energy balance and like the foods and training and your steps and everything, and you can like, because I don't know every fucking biochemical process that's going on in my body, but I know how to look at the data and track it. And I know what to change if shit isn't, you know, like going the way I want it. And it's so freeing it's so freeing you know um so yeah I just I agree with you Libby I'm like and it's I would feel like we're the we're not obsessive at all about it like we can go out like I see you go out and have some drinks you drink sometimes I go out last we had like tacos on the weekend we just sat sat there on the grass and ate tacos like that's right it doesn't do anything when you when you have your basics covered it's yeah yeah you can and a lot of women say this to me Oh, but I don't want to like, you can still go out and you can still drink sometimes. Like, obviously you can't get shit faced all the time. Like that's, <laughs> but like practice moderation. Like, like I said, I went out in the weekend, had a glass of wine with dinner. We went out, Craig and I went out for dinner. Libby went out. We didn't track any of that. We just ate the food. We still stay in good shape. We still, you know, I feel like I've got great balance. The most balance I've ever had in my whole entire life using the tracking. Yeah. Yeah. I think it also allows one to not massively overshoot, but also not undershoot. And I think that undershooting is a big issue these Mm. days because people are like, oh, just listen to your hunger. Just listen to your hunger. And when they actually start tracking, like we've had a few people go through our course who like start tracking and they're like, oh, I was eating 1300 calories a day. No wonder I didn't feel good. Like if you're under eating, your body is going to downregulate the metabolism to that calorie load that you're eating. And so certain functions are going to have to be shut off so that your body can function at that lower calorie. And so it operates at both extremes. You avoid massively overshooting your fat gain, but you also avoid massively undershooting your caloric needs and downregulating your metabolism, which is the whole goal of pro-metabolic is to optimize our metabolism. And that's a point I want to get to when we get to like building muscle. Um, so I'm going to put a pin in that for that discussion. You just, but like, you just want to segue into that? Well, no, no, because it's a bit more than I want to talk about on this topic. Okay. So we've established saying that the tracking is, you know, we, we, we think that tracking is like, get on board with the tracking, everyone. It's life-changing. So let's talk about. Well, let, can I just add in something about the tracking? Of course, go Craig. Sorry. Just, yeah. just, just one thing. People say, like, and I've, I've heard you actually on, on a call with a few people before where they say oh no i I don't want to do the tracking because there's lots of studies to show that it's it's really it's a good one works with you know against your causes eating disorders basically they say it causes eating disorders and i just want to tell you right now that that is a total fucking lie and that is made up by people who don't want to actually do the work to fucking track the okay i'm I'm, I'm probably i wasn't going to rant on this so i'll just keep this short but the only evidence to show that that has a negative fact is someone already has an established eating disorder. To every other one, every other person who doesn't have that 
That is absolutely not the case. And in every single study, and Ashley referenced a study before, but there's multiple, there could be hundreds of studies on it by now that shows in every single outcome where people are never uh, worse off when they track, it mm. always leads to better health and psychological outcomes because they are in control and they understand what's actually doing what. So let's just squash that now. Anyone listening to this, if you believe that it's going to cause an issue, unless you actually have a diagnosed eating disorder, it is BS. Track your fucking food. That's it. It's empowering. Like you, it yes. literally leads to more knowledge and awareness and freedom. Yes. Awareness. It really absolutely. Does. Yep. And it even blows, like every day, Craig, you know, I just crap on about this stuff, but it still blows my mind. Like I think, because before, you know, I've come from the be a retard and oh, sorry, that's not the right words. I've come from the background. That's the word you use. That's not, yeah, but I shouldn't say that because that's but, not for true. yourself. I was, un, it's, I was, it's, face, it's face yeah. palm. It's just yeah, face someone's like, going to say something to me about this podcast. You shouldn't say that kitty, but I come from, I was uneducated and just doing all this. Plus I just was burying my head in the sand a bit. You know, I didn't really want to change my lifestyle. I liked binge drinking and taking drugs on the weekend. You know, I liked just eating nothing and then just eating a whole ton of shit, you know, and that, but once I sort of was like, okay, you're going to actually have to change who you are. <laughs> I would also say in your defense, when you were doing this 10, 15 years ago, the information that we have now wasn't true, 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 true. But, you know, obviously once I found it, I was like, okay, great. This is awesome. I'm, um, you know, uh, going all in, but I think, um, that, and now I've just lost my train of thought. What did, what was I even going to, the point I was going to make, well, that's too funny. Spurgy. <laughs> About the eating disorder. But I think, you know, it's, yeah, like Craig said, unless you've actually got a diagnosed eating disorder, like if someone came into our program and said, we've got an eating disorder, we'd refer them on. We would, because we're like, we're not equipped to deal with that. Um, but yeah, I think it's like, I was super obsessive. It's less obsessive. Now I'm less obsessive about it. And I, every day I'm still surprised at the amount of food that I can eat. Mm. I'm like, fuck. Like, I was like, this is amazing. But there's, there's also like, comparing you know some people you know that they've commented like on your instagram oh you make it look effortless or you do all this food and whatever and it's just like yeah but there was time spent learning as i said like creating that awareness and that understanding around it and it's kind of like you know like if you go and start karate you know you you, you don't get to train with the black belts initially you start at the white belts and you learn one punch and you do it over and over and again once you do that you upgrade your belt and then you move through a few other moves and it's just like like you know, been doing this so long now that it's just so ingrained. It's just sickening. I don't, I actually don't even even need to think about it. Like I can, I could almost probably go quite a while without tracking my food. And because I'm just so in such a groove with the food that I'm going to buy and prep and how I do those things that I would probably end up with a very similar result regardless. And portions like, is big as well. Portion yep. sizes. Yeah. Like we did this game the other week, Jamie and I, and he just, just tested me and I got everything pretty much like within 10 grams of <laughs> Just without weighing, and then he weighed it after. It's amazing because you've test. just done it for yeah. so long. Yeah, yeah you just yeah. know. Yeah, but it is a skill. It, it absolutely is, and you've got to put exactly. the time in. And that's why tracking is such a fundamental thing you, you need to do because that's what creates that awareness around, as you said, portion sizes and structure around how you're eating throughout the day relative to your schedule and all the things that you've got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just so important. It it, it really is the fundamental basis for. Yeah everything moving forward so let's talk about this is a good this is what the next thing i want to talk about how do you lose weight 
Like I think so many people are like, you know, and we're not uh, saying that it's just the only thing you look at is calories in, calories out. Like anyone who does has done any of our programs knows that we, there's so many other things that we look at, but like, this is such a big thing. I think that so many people just like ignore or they bury their head in the sand or like, so let's talk about what it actually, you know, like, how do you lose weight? So you mind if I start real quick? Yeah. I think. Um, a lot of people, you know, they talk crap about calories in versus calories out. And they talk about how like specific foods and hormones will impact your calories out. But like, it is kind of minuscule, the changes that they talk about. And so reflecting back on like my life, I think I've done a lot of things wrong. But one thing that I have done well is remain active. And I think when you consider your calories out, so this is like how many calories your body is burning. People think that like doing a single exercise session a day is actually going to really help them lose weight. But when you take a look at the different things that cause your body to burn through calories, you guys are going to have to, I, I don't have anything specific in front of me. So you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe one is like breaking down your food. Another is your base metabolic rate. So the amount of calories that it takes to just keep your body alive. The third is your daily activity, like doing laundry, taking your dogs for a walk, moving my hands like this. That's called your NEAT. So basically non-exercise activity and then your exercise. So these four things and like the biggest things, the two largest calorie expenditures are your needs in your basal metabolic rate. So how many calories your body is just burning to keep you alive and how much you move during the day. These little food changes make very small like impact in how many calories your body burn. And like your actual exercise session isn't calorie focused. It's really being active throughout the day. So like, I, I believe that if I was telling, like, if I'm talking to like my aunt or my mom who don't really exercise much. And let's say they wanted to lose weight. I would say, start by getting more activity in during your day, like eight to 10,000 steps a day. That would be like step one for me. Um, cause what, throwing man, a bunch of what, what is it that makes you lose weight though? Oh, uh, being in a caloric deficit, you have yeah, to. Cool. So you're talking about some different ways that you can create a calorie so deficit, different levers that you can turn pull. and pull to lose weight. I think if someone has a lot of changes to make, you're not going to make them all at one time. And so if there was my advice for step one would be increasing your activity to eight to 10,000 steps a day, that would be where I would tell someone to start because that would allow you to increase the amount of calories that you're burning. Would you think, so like, what's the biggest driver? I know Craig will probably want to talk about this. Maybe like the biggest, like when you're looking at creating a calorie deficit like what are the things the biggest things that you focus on well hang on let's really, just go back to the calorie deficit things so i don't think we've sort of talked about what i want to talk about like all these these people on instagram that go it's not a, you know like it's it's not a calorie deficit like do you, you guys see that too we've had some the so reason like, why, sorry go ahead go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say the reason why they're saying that is because they don't understand the definition of a calorie deficit and they're literally just thinking food i eat but the definition of a calorie deficit is you as a person your metabolic rate not anyone else's not comparing with that person and how much you burn versus how much you eat that's it 
Mm. So it's, it's, you can create the calorie deficit in many ways, you know, but it's still a calorie deficit. So they just keep arguing that. And that's what, it's just a, it's a discrepancy in an argument because they'll be like, I ate more protein and I lost weight and I had the exact same calories. And I'm like, yeah, because protein digesting, it burns more calories. So therefore it created a deficit. Like it's still a deficit. So deficit is just basically an energy deficit. Yeah. Mm. I should have, I should have clarified the four things that I was talking about. So there's the calories in the calories that you're consuming. So this side is calories in the nutrition and then calories out. There's like four main components and it's your body breaking down the food. So the Mm. thermogenesis breaking down your food to use as energy in your body. Two is your activity during the day, literally moving around, doing laundry, taking your dog for a walk. Three is your basal metabolic rate, which is literally like the energy that your body requires to make your heart beat, to um, deliver nutrients throughout your body. And then the fourth would be like intentional exercise. And of those four, the two biggest caloric expenditures are your basal metabolic rate and your needs, your amount of activity during the day. Mm-hmm. Those are all four levers that you could technically like pull to increase the amount that you're burning. Yep. And mm. obviously there's the, 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 so we're saying the tracking so important. So like Libby talked about, you'll get just clients to track and find their maintenance calories. So like, what's the amount of food that you need to eat currently to maintain your current weight from there, then you can right? you guys can then manipulate things to get the resulting body composition or health improvements that you, um, that you want. So like, this is another question I get all the time. And I think it's because a lot of women don't track accurately and they're so used to like doing these crazy diets. And then they, when I dig deeper, they fall off the wagon and they binge eat, but like, and maybe cause I hear Craig talks about it all the time and Libby like the metabolic ward studies. So like, and I'm not saying that women should do this. This is not the right way to do it, but like, is it possible to be a hundred kilos and 40% body fat, 45% body fat, and eat 1200 calories consistently for months and months and months and never lose weight. Is that possible? No. Never. So could you guys talk about the metabolic ward studies? Sausage. Uh, well, I mean, th- there's literally thousands of metabolic ward studies that have been done over the what last. What are metabolic ward studies? What are they? Okay, so a metabolic ward is is a, a part inside a hospital that you get admitted to, and you live there for uh, usually a thirty day period, and during that time, uh, all of your meals are prepped by other people, so you have no control over the food. You can't just go to the fridge at any time, whatever. Everything that you eat is is monitored. So, um, a good example of this was. <clears throat> There was a, a show in America called uh, My Six Hundred Pound Life, and it basically just chron- chronicled the you know a group of people who were you know north of six hundred pounds, which is like one hundred and forty kilos, right? Massively obese people. They go to the doctor. I've got this problem. I can't lose weight. The doctor gives them a, you know a fifteen hundred calorie meal plan or something like that, fairly basic. Some of them lose three or four kilos. Some of them don't lose any weight. Some of them actually put on weight. And all these people naturally think it must be me. It must be my body. So naturally, because they're in this, you know really disastrous state they all get admitted to this metabolic ward so they they live there for a month you know they're pretty much on the same 1500 calorie meal plan that didn't work for them that was given to them by the doctor you know during that time they're just eating these foods when they get visitors the visitors are patted down for snacks and bags are like left at the doorway so they can't do anything or anything like that 
And these people lose like 40 kilos in a month, which is fucking insane. Right. And this is basically the exact same diet that the doctor originally gave them that they believed wasn't working for them. Mm. But then when they get admitted to this war, where it's completely out of their hands and it's accurately measured, they all lose pretty much the exact same weight or, you know, the, the estimated weight they should be losing based off the fact that they're 140 kilos, 600 pounds, eating a 1500 calorie meal plan for a month. So it, it what it just goes to show, and this has been an example in every single case, that what people believe they're eating and what they're actually eating are two very different things. And there's also been studies where people, you know, guesstimate how much they think they're eating and other people actually track their eating. And there's always this massive dis- discrepancy, either three, 500 calories. You know, there's a, a study uh, where, where they had like 10 dietitians and 10 normal people. I think Libby, you've spoken about this one before as well, where, you know, the, the one week the dietitians tracked and the other people just ad libbed eat and then they swap the following week. And even the dietitians, so these are the people who are the professionals, the people who we pay lots of money to help us with these. And their their whole role is to work with the toughest populations of people. That's why a, a, a dietitian works with those, those, those populations. And they were averaging, you know, five to 800 calories incorrect on what they believe they were eating as well. So these are the people who are supposedly the best, the professionals, they were still getting it wrong. So people who have no idea around tracking or having that awareness are going to fuck it up way more. And this is just every case where you see all of metabolic one studies, there hasn't been one single study where someone come in who was overweight, they were put in a caloric deficit and they didn't lose weight. Doesn't exist. So that's never happened. Never, 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 ever. Never once. I think, no, not once. Not there's once. No studies. Like there's just not. So people can look. I think it's stuff. important though to mm. say that there there are studies out there showing that X diet leads to more weight loss than this diet. And they're really good at their taglines and headlines. And then when you go to the methods, so when you mm. learn how to read research papers and you go to methods, you see diet questionnaire. Like, so the people are having to report what they eat. They're not in a metabolic ward. So the study can either be performed in their normal lives where they are supposed to report what they're eating, which as Craig just pointed out, most people are very inaccurate at doing versus a metabolic ward study where all of the subjects are controlled. So you have to look at the methods section of these research papers. And what Craig is saying is for every Every, every single research study performed in a metabolic ward, when calories are accounted for and someone is in a calorie deficit, they lose weight. Full stop. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not, we're not. And I I think, I think that's just, just on that. I think it's really important that with research studies, just because it's a published research study doesn't mean it's a fucking good one. Like there are so many inherent flaws because you've got to think about when people are, are setting up research, like they've got to have funding and they've got to have enough money to, to pay the individuals to do it, to buy certain equipment, to have people, you know, if they're, if they're adding in any like training to bring people in to train these sort of people, like it costs a lot of money. And a lot of the times, you know, depending on where the, the study is coming from, a university, maybe doesn't matter, they're quite limited in the resources that they have available. So they've just got to do the best with what they have. And just because they're like, well, we did this and this was the outcome that we found. People just go, oh my God, this is what it is. I'm like, well, hold on a minute. Like they, like, as I said, that they weren't actually accurate 
consistently testing how much they're eating consistently on a daily basis. It was observational only. Hey, how much did you eat today? Ah, I think it was about 1,400 calories. Right, 1,400 calories. Therefore, you'd be like, I'm not taking that seriously. What the fuck? That's, that, that's, that's ridiculous, right? So I, I think it's really important to know. And there are a lot of studies that don't get done very, very well. But we have to take that into account. And it's really important not to just look at a headline or read the abstract and skip, skip straight to the conclusion and go, oh, this is what it was. Because it's so many times, unless it's been a really well-funded study, especially on something that may be a little bit controversial, you really need to kind of dig into the weeds a little bit and kind of go, well, how accurate was this really? Like, you know. And would you guys, I think you would agree with this, but like, that's where I really see the value of coaching because like there's these overarching concepts that all of us use, but like how you apply them to each individual that works with you one-on-one is different. So like, it's not, everyone goes on the same calories. Everyone does the same thing. Cause you guys look at everything. You look at their, their lean mass, their fat mass, their activity levels, their strength capability, their stress levels, their current health. You know, like if someone was, as an example, I'm just making some shit up. Like someone's, you know, like they don't have that much fat to lose. Like, let's say they're like, I don't know. They say that, you know, these middle people that we talk about that don't have a lot of lean mass, but they, they need to change more of their body composition, but they've got some health issues. Right. So like, you know, I'm just making things up like they might eat it at maintenance for a while while they improve those health issues before they, before you change anything. So there's not this like, Mm-hmm. but that would be, there'd be a different strategy for a woman who's 140 kilos, who we just need to stop binge eating and get into better habits of like hitting a pro like they're just examples. So it's not this one size fits all. And I think that's where women go wrong. And they just read these posts on Instagram and read things and go, okay, I'm just going to do that when potentially that might not be like, like the nuances mm-hmm. <laughs> that you guys yeah, talk like, about. Yeah, considering sure. where, where you're coming from and realizing like, one way I like to look at this is if you think of like a world map and let's say all four of us, we were all trying to fly into London, England and to, that was our end destination, our end goal. All four of us would be on different plane flights to get there, different lengths of time, different flight trajectories. We all probably have similar end goals, but we're all at different stages of that journey. And so you literally can't copy and paste what someone else is doing and expect it to work for you. Like if you see someone like, Libby and Kitty eating like 2,900 calories. Like they have been working on building muscle for a long time. They've been strength training for a long time. You can't just do exactly what they're doing and expect it to work for you that day. Mm. And consistency too. Like just this, and if you've listened to our podcast on Lou Driver, like she is like the definition of fucking ins- of the consistency. Like the more consistent you can be and like Anna Hansel, and look, I'm not even con- as consistent as them because I don't want to be as consistent, but I can't expect that I would get the same result. So you have to ask yourself, like, what's the result that I want? What am I willing to do to get that result? And you might come somewhere in the middle because I still like to have, I like wine. I like to have a glass of wine on the weekend. I like to go out and not track my meals. But like, if I wanted to get more of a specific result, I'd probably have to dial it in a bit more. Mm. But again, it's that acceptance and going, what am I willing? And I'm not, there's no right or wrong answer. But I think you can't sit there and go, well, I want X, Y, Z, but I'm not willing to track and prep my food and put some effort into strength training. It's like you just continue unhappy because your reality doesn't match what you want. So there's this friction, but you're not willing to do the work, I think, to to get there. Yeah. Yep. I agree. 
And like I, all, I of, these, like all of these external rules and perceptions that other people are putting in you. Let yeah. go of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. So calorie deficit. So, okay. Let's talk about then the ways. Cause I think, you know, people come into our programs and it's not just like you say, calories in calories out. Like we look at other things like the food and the nutrients and other stresses and sleep and all this other stuff. But like, so, um, talk about some of these other levers, like let's talk about building muscle and activity levels and how, like, you know, like I think one of the reasons I can eat so much is cause I've got muscle, but I'm very active. Like I was telling Libby on the weekend, I'm like, fuck, I did like 22,000 steps on Saturday because we just walk everywhere on Saturday. So obviously that high activity on just that one day, I don't do that every day, but that really, that accounts for, for which is why I can eat more food. Mm. Not saying everyone should do 22,000 steps on a Saturday, but that's just an example. So let's talk about some of these other levers that how, so which enables women to eat more and still achieve their fat loss or body composition goals. I think that you definitely have to kind of earn the food a little bit in the sense that you have to have enough muscle and you also have to kind of earn the activity. You can't just be someone who is, you know, either on one extreme where they're super like skinny and they have no muscle mass and then they go and bump up all their activity. It's like, no, you've got to, you know, cause I see, I think sometimes as well from like a, the opposite side of things you hear people are like, I eat 3000 calories a day and kind of stuff and it's like it becomes this like ego game almost of who can eat the most but it's like hey everyone's different like some people can only eat 2000 calories or 1800 and that's fine you've got to earn the ability to eat more because you're building muscle and you've got like it's not you just you can't just expect to go from like you know zero muscle to our amount of muscle from like one month to the next type of thing so i think in that sense it's just it's making sure that you're realistic, first of all, about your, where you are, like be realistic about your body, be realistic about how active you are, be realistic about how much muscle you have, and then just slowly work from there. And yeah, there's definitely levers you can pull, but I would honestly say the easiest one is food because yeah. if, if I go for a run, I'm really only burning like probably 400 calories. That's a hard run, like a 5k fast run, right? That takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot out. It's like, if you think about like payment, what am I paying for that? I'm paying in time. I'm paying in stress. I'm paying in a lot. Whereas I could easily just take 400 calories out of my food. You just take a little bit out of each meal. Like you don't even feel it. I mean, some of my clients barely even feel hungry and they're dropping the weight off because I put them into a calorie deficit. So I would say that's the easiest because it's the most measurable. It takes, it costs the least in terms of time activity it has a time cost but i do but i am a huge fan of being active of course and i think that as what ash said just being more active throughout your day is super important because even if you go from zero steps to you know ten thousand steps eight thousand steps that's a big difference in terms of like output and expenditure but again it's not always super measurable because we can't actually measure the energy that's coming out of our body we can measure what's going in. So I would always just say priority number one, nutrition hierarchy is food. You just can't argue with that. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it has less cost for time. You can take a little bit out of each meal. You can, there's so many easy ways to like, you can use skim milk instead of, and that in itself, you lose a hundred calories right there. Like it's the easiest thing in the world. It's just, people are so conditioned to think, I have to, you know, eat all my high fat food and I can't yeah, be hungry yeah. ever. And so I think I would pull that lever first for anyone, but especially for anyone who's overweight, if you are a smaller person and you, then that's where we get into the other levers, like, you know, Hey, let's build more muscle. And then you can actually eat more food. 
Yeah, so that- I know Libby and Craig talk about this fucking pyramid all the time. What's that pyramid you guys that like that guy? What's his name? Eric Helms. Yeah. yeah. So pyramid. would you say yeah. that's the well, calories about- is at the very base? The calories yeah. is establishing the maintenance calories and then adjusting there to specific yeah. to your goal is yeah. the yeah. number one driver first. 100%. So- that's why the tracking is important. Mm-hmm. I know that someone is going to hold on to something that Libby said. <laughs> she said, there's no way for us to measure the amount of calories out. So that is right there. That's like, yeah. right there. Why calories in versus calories out doesn't matter. And it's like, no, it doesn't matter. At some point you're going to be able to figure out through tracking where your maintenance calories is, because at a certain level, you won't gain weight. You won't lose weight. So therefore, there it is. <laughs> That's so. But it exists. That's what we're saying. Yeah. It definitely yeah. exists. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just saying we can't measure that. So we only work with what we can measure, and we can yeah. measure it to an extent. With that's why we track steps. Yeah. Which isn't yeah. even technically neat. It's called mm-hmm. like NEPA. So it's not, yeah. even, it's not even neat because we're tracking it, and that's yeah. literally why we track it. So we have that tiny bit of something we can measure. Um, but it still exists. You can't lose weight without being in an energy deficit. That's the only thing we're, we're not even arguing that it's a fact. I think so something super important relative to what Libby just said, like addressing food, it's the amount of people that have come to us and have said, I'm exercising now and I'm not losing weight. You burn very little calories in an exercise session. Um, and so especially if it's like a strength training session. I mean, if you think you're in the gym for like an hour and you're doing a strength training session, you maybe moved for five to 10 minutes. Totally. Like the actual work exercise. time. Like I timed maybe... it once. Yeah. Ooh. And it was fuck all. What I was, was like, it? oh my God. With something stupid, like under five minutes or something. Like yeah. the actual set time doing the sets is so tiny. And so just implementing exercise, all of us exercise, we're not saying it's not important. It is important. Just doing that isn't, isn't going to tip you over the edge of your caloric deficit necessarily. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, we, we recommend, you know, at the base, like prioritizing where I was talking, not saying like, obviously do cardio, but pro- and listen to the episode with Libby on the cardio. Cause she really breaks down the different types of cardio and what, which ones are, you know, beneficial and for what reasons. Cause I think a lot of women like me used to just do Libby's like what you were doing wasn't actually heat kitty. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I just get on for an hour and like sprint and then get off and then I'd get on this cross trainer. So it's just sprint for an hour. <laughs> that's exactly right. Exactly. So I was just smashing myself. Um, you know, and I do heaps of hit classes and pump classes and RPM. So, you know, like let's talk about why prioritizing strength training is important and building muscle. Cause I mean, obviously like everyone wants to look better, but apart from like the looks, why is it beneficial? Why, why do we all harp on about it so much? The muscle, the muscle, this is, everyone's going to, you guys will blow up at this one. Cause we know how much. Can I, I get really excited about this one. Can I just can I start really Sorry. quickly? So I, I brought up earlier, the four things that affect our calories out. So it's exercise, your body breaking down your food to use as energy. You're just daily movement, walking around, twitching, whatever. And then for basal metabolic rate, like literally the amount of energy that your body has to use to keep you alive. And the more muscle that you have, the greater that is going to be, meaning it requires more calories to keep you alive. The more muscle you have, which means you can eat more food and not lose and not gain weight. And so that is the beautiful thing about strength training. The more muscle that you build, 
the more food you will need. And so it does come with a responsibility because your body will require more calories to be able to keep that muscle tissue alive. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what about some health benefits? Like Libby talks about this all the time. Like what are the other health benefits of actually having more lean and more muscle? I think the really interesting thing with training in general is that there's the obvious, you know, long-term benefits of actually having muscle, but there's actually some really cool acute benefits for every single bout of exercise you do, every single bout of movement, every single time you go to the gym and you build muscle. It's such an important organ. And I read a study recently, it actually talks to all our other organs. So, you know, it's in charge for like, you know, metabolic health. It's the biggest glucose storage organ, um, which is where it means you can store a lot of carbs. So your muscles store a lot of carbs. Um, I find that people that have more muscle mass actually sleep better because probably also they just don't run out of liver glycogen as quickly. It's very, very, very important with things like that. Um, it plays a big role in the management of blood sugar, um, insulin health. Um, and yeah, I think the study was, it was the 2020 study and it talks about how exercise and our metabolic health goes beyond just skeletal muscle tissue. And I feel like this is something where, Cause people always assume, oh, you're just a meathead. You're just building muscle because you want the look of the muscle. But it's like, wh why don't we get away from that sometimes and talk about the health benefits? Um, because so what happens is we have like muscle has like these tiny things called myokines and they talk to like all our other organs. So it talks to our pancreas, um, which obviously is involved in insulin secretion. It talks to our liver, which is involved in glucose and fat metabolism, talks to our blood vessels, which is involved in like oxygen and nutrient delivery, and also our adipose tissue, which obviously is involved in hormone secretion, um, glucose and fat metabolism and all that as well. And all these things play a role when you do a lifting session. So all these hormones, like it's this hormone, hormonal cascade of effects across your whole body, all your organs through these little messengers that we have called myokines. And there's a lot of literature that's been coming out recently about this. Um, and yeah, they're like little powerful messengers that help our muscles talk to all these other organs across the body, resulting in positive adaptations in terms of like our metabolism. So it's not even just in terms of, Hey, I have more skeletal muscle tissue, which of course is like huge as well. Like we want to build more muscle because that's really healthy, but every small little bout of activity counts and every workout has that immediate acute positive effect as well, even if you don't see it right away. Um, and then these adaptations over time result in improved fitness and better metabolism, so much better health, better, a better handling of our energy sources. So fats and carbohydrates and the way our body uses them. And I think it's really important to remember that our fitness status or our muscular status is a big health marker. It's not just about the way we look. It's not just even about, you know, how much muscle someone has muscle actual tissue someone has but it's about all these things that happen when you are training regularly and consistently um yeah which then means it reduces the risk for like chronic you know type 2 diabetes non-alcoholic fatty liver disease all these things mm. yeah i'm really passionate about that as well and i try to tell women that when they tell me oh i just want to be curvy and i don't want to have muscle i just want to i'm like it's not about the way you look just, you know, think about it from a health perspective. Like you need to do this for your health. I also think though, like to look really muscular, you have to be, have a lot of muscle and be quite lean. So like mm -hmm. I've been varying body fat levels. And like, even when I was, I think I sent you a photo the other day, Libby, like we were just looking, so I was saying, this is when I was at my sort of highest body fat with the baby. Yeah. I still had the muscle. I just looked curvy. Still looks, yeah, you look good. But I look way more jacked when I'm leaner, even though I'm smaller. 
because I'm leaner. So I'm like, it's really yeah. hard, ladies, to like look jacked. You have to be very muscular and you have to have a lower level of body fat. And this probably leads on to our next um, topic that I want to talk about is. Wait, I think, wait. Oh, wait, sorry. Wait, go, go. One yeah. more, one more, one more benefit of strength training is that literally the act of performing strength training causes lymph drainage. Mm. Literally like the act. Everyone's big on that these days, aren't they? (laughs) Super, super popular. Yeah. Mm. And so I think that that's important. So it'll literally help improve Mm. that. And I think some others um, like improves LDL cholesterol clearing and certain blood markers that a lot of people fixate on. Yeah. It helps just kind of improve those because yeah. I think it's just improving drainage and movement in the body. And so, it, 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 even can, not can, from a health perspective, it makes you confident. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a lot of psychological and, and mental yeah. uh, benefits yeah. to that. It teaches you persistence and resilience. Can I, and, can I just throw a question out there? Yeah. There's probably some people listen to this that there's nothing that you guys have said there that's a negative, right? I think we could all agree from from every perspective that having muscle is a very positive thing, right? So then tell me how the fuck somebody tries to improve their metabolism by stopping weight training. Explain this utter fucking well, disaster. I think, but I me. think again, it's that whole thing at the extremes. It's not about like going, you know, someone who was training a ton and under eating to then going doing nothing. Women need to stop completely stopping training. Would you guys agree with that? And find the middle ground, find the moderation. Yes, but how does the thought process? I I understand the frustration here. I get really heated about it. It doesn't make any sense. It's because they're saying it's a stressor, but they're failing to take into consideration that there's good stressors and bad stressors. And there's a lot of bad stressors in probably everyone's life that they can actually think about getting rid of before they even go to the exercise. Like, Mm. yeah. Yes. It's not about going, I'm stopping completely. It's finding what a level of training that matches where you're at basically. Mm. Yes. Basically. Because it's beneficial for so many reasons. Regardless of your situation. I agree. There there is a, a level of intensity and volume and all those sort of things relative to the individual and what they can cover from, you know, like I, I totally get that point. But to say as an absolute that if you're stressed and you've been doing all of these diets and all this sort of stuff for so long, you need to heal yourself. So you're going to stop doing the one thing that is probably going to have the biggest impact over anything else that you can do in order to improve situation. Okay, How does that thought process come about? Because it's it's completely fucking wrong. That's why I wanted to bring up the side about that many of these metabolic benefits that we get from exercise, they do depend on building skeletal muscle tissue. So actual tissue, but a huge amount come from the acute benefits. And that's why I really want to like nail that home because I, if you want, I can send you the link and you can put it under the, it's an amazing study. It has the best little graphics and everything. Um, And it really shows how the organs all talk to each other. So like, I I would say that's one of the, that's one of the big things we need to be ticking if we're trying Mm. to heal our metabolism. So just, just on that, then if we are seeing such acute benefits, which all sounds really cool. I'd love to have a, have a read of that, by the way. Um, that when people just go, well, let's just pull it back and let's just do like one session a week where I would go, 
wouldn't frequency be more important in this situation? Why don't you do a, a small amount five, six days a week? Yeah. Right? Sure, there's times. Like obviously, there's an individual. study as well that I sent yeah. you. Yeah. It's very similar yeah. to that. There's, yeah. Yeah. Because obviously, too, like I think, because obviously I don't understand the studies like you guys, but just like now I've come back to training from the breast lift. Hmm. Obviously, I'm so fucking sore. <laughs> like, because I've trained for three and a half weeks, but I'm like, I'm just going to keep training because I know that I just need to build that resilience to yeah. it again. Like it, it's like a, I don't know, you guys will know what's actually happening, but every time I train, I get less sore. Yeah. Like it's like I build up this resilience again to it, resiliency. Yeah. But if I completely stopped all the time, mm. I, I would mm. never get, I would never build it up. Yes. So Craig, to ask your question, to answer, to address your question about like, how does it make sense with like, if you understand what, pro-metabolic means, which is increasing your metabolism. And then we understand the baseline building muscle increases our metabolism. Therefore they're aligned. They should go together. Um, I think it comes back to most people don't know how to strength train and they think that cardio weights class. So like, let's pump out this hour long class where we're moving the whole time, but I'm, but I have weights in my hands. So I'm strength training and I'm doing a set of bicep curls and then I'm doing push-ups and jumping jacks. I'm doing the circuit and they stop that type of exercise and they start to feel better mm. by not doing any exercise. Like I can understand, cause that is a, that is not strength training. That is a stressful, no man's land. Very like, mm. yeah. So I think implementing smart strength training, I don't think the word heavy should be used. I don't like implementing strength training in a smart way where you're actually building muscle, not just stressing your body out and keeping you in a stress state where you take rest periods, I think that that is a very health supportive exercise. Yeah. Um, And what was the next thing I'm talking about that's related to the muscle? Okay. So I think what I see a lot too, and you guys have mentioned this as well, is like some of these posts about women, you, you can't be muscular and on the leaner side, but then again, what's the fucking definition of lean and like, you know, like you can't be healthy. Like it's not healthy. And look, I agree. There's a fuck ton of fitness people out there that are fucked like, and that are lean and not healthy. And I used to be one of them. I've been much leaner than I've been now, way less muscle, totally fucked. But you know, and like you, Libby and I talk about like, there's a difference between competing and getting to a very low level of body fat. Like I interviewed Anna on the podcast, one of our clients, she decided to compete because she just wanted to compete, not for health reasons. She just wanted to, she just wanted to do it. And we talked about all of the negative things that happened to her. So she lost her cycle, her sleep was shit in the end, but you know, Craig's reverse dieted her out now. She's got a cycle back. She's sleeping again. You know, I'm not saying you should go and compete, but there's a difference between being extremely lean and then, you know, like Libby calls it lifestyle lean, which I like <laughs> that, you know, so, and I think if you do it properly, like again, the Lou driver example worked on fixing all her health issues first, ate at maintenance, you know, then did a bit of a recomp. Then she did, once her body was resilient and she'd had a bit more muscle, then she did a more aggressive fat loss phase, maintained all her good health markers. And now she's doing a muscle building phase and she's stayed lean put on muscle, still sleeping, you know, her buddy husband had cancer, went through all of that. And she's like, if I wasn't eating this way, I wouldn't have been able to cope with that stress. So like, I feel like sometimes they just make these sweeping statements, which it's like, and then it's, it's women think, oh, it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy or it's not achievable, but it is achievable, but you have to put work and years into it. That's what it takes actually. Like, don't you reckon it's years of eating well, training consistently, doing the basics. So can you talk about that? 
I think first also we have to just we have to realize that there's a difference between lean and muscular. Mm. We can have like when I was a, co- a CrossFit coach, there were some really muscular chicks, but they weren't lean, lean. They still had body fat on them too. Like it's not you don't have to because I noticed in some of these you know, when people do put everything together in a box, it's like lean and muscular is not always healthy. And it's like muscular is usually quite healthy. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, in the last six months, I've gained three kilos. So I've been in a muscle building phase. So anyone would look at me and be like, oh, she's trying to be lean. But it's like, actually, I'm eating 2,900 calories trying to put weight on. That's my goal. So like, where do we draw the line when we're talking about like, we can't just lump it all together. That's right. Yeah. But then like, yeah, you can still be lifestyle lean, I say, and healthy as well. So I think it just depends like where, like what someone's goal is and what they're willing to sacrifice as well. Because I would like, I have this thing that I've put together for my one-on-one clients. It's like the levels of leanness and the list of sacrifices that comes with it. And towards yeah. the end, we're talking about sacrificing health as well. Yeah. Yeah. The- yeah. Cause there's like, what would you say just as a general guide Libby is, I don't know, again, it's hard because you can't, everyone's different and you need to look at the health markers, but just in general, like we talk about getting on stage lean, which is probably you're losing your cycle. Where would you say that is below as a rough guide? As in body fat percentage? Yeah. yeah. I would say like, we're talking like below 14, 12% for a woman. That's pretty, that's probably a bit too lean. Yeah. So you can't really be that lean and yeah depending on the on the assessment method you use but based off ours like anna was sitting at around about 12 percent when she was yeah like like after she depleted and carved back up and still like that's where like her measurements were and i think as like overall the sites of measures which is like uh neck small waist belly button hips glutes thigh i think she had a total of like 370 centimeters right? Mm. The average person, again, just, I'm just throwing out just some very rough numbers here, but the average person who sits around the 25, 30% who might be at an average height is going to be up around the 415 to 420 centimeters, mm. right? That's just, just roughly. So you can see like, that's what nearly 50 centimeters or, or so difference, mm. right? Now you think about that over like seven sites of girth measurements that you're taking, like it's a lot, Right. Mm. And that someone's at 25% is generally what we would consider a healthy, but you're not like lean at that stage, but you look fine. Right. Like you look normal. Yeah. I think, I think it's important to remember, like everyone has a certain amount of muscle. Mm. And so if you get lean enough, you will look muscular because your muscle is going. Yeah. Like for example, abs, like again, everyone's fat distribution is different different throughout their body. And so like, if someone's abs are showing that isn't, that isn't a sign that that person is unhealthy, they just may not hold fat there. Yeah. Like like you guys, like you, we all have flat stomach. We all have flat stomachs and I've had like, it's, 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 like you say, Even again, when you're bigger, you still had a flat stomach. Yeah. Cause my fat just, it just, that's how it is. But it's like you say, like, but then you know what, there was a lot of the fitness industry because we're a minority, I reckon. And there's a lot of women out there that we know that like are lean and look good, but they're fucked. <laughs> you know, like they don't eat a lot of food. They, you know, they do have, but again, it's like, you can't look at how they look. It's more, look at the symptoms, look at the symptoms because we've got women who are like 30% body fat, who've got the, the worst symptoms ever, mm. you know? So I think it's unreasonable to go, like Libby said, just group it all into one and go, everyone who looks like this is unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. Because imagine if we were like oh, everyone who's at 35% body fat's unhealthy. 
Yeah. That's not true. Yeah. None of us, none of us are saying that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's different levels of extremes and we shouldn't jump from one extreme to the other and say that anything in like not address anything in the middle ground. Yeah. Like why are we just talking about very big extremes? I've seen women at like say really lean and then really fat have the, yeah, and the ones in the middle have the, it doesn't really matter. It's not really the body fat, but like you say, we're not saying that women should get down to stage lean. Like that's obviously not very healthy, but you can maintain a leaner look, especially if you've got more muscle, like you're going to be able to hold more body fat. Like we talked about that photo of me. I was like sitting, I don't know, like I think Craig, when he's, and again, this is not an exact figure. It's just a measurement to like 27, 28% body fat versus 20. Mm. You know, you still look toned. I, I, think, got more muscle. I think an import, important thing is like, so let's say the end, the, the target goal is healing your metabolism, right? Mm-hmm. So fixing your metabolism, you don't have to gain a ton of weight to achieve that goal. Like that goal isn't, isn't, it doesn't require weight gain. Will f- some people have to gain weight like myself a little bit? Yeah. But it's not, we shouldn't like normalize like large quantities of weight gain. Cause that's not necessarily fixing the metabolism. It may improve certain things, but down the line, like really big weight gains can lead to health problems. So I think. You talk, maybe you guys could talk about that. So like, on, I feel like a lot of these accounts to talk about, oh, you can't be lean and muscular. It's not healthy. And then we'll talk about being feminine that, that as well. But like, what about when you're like plus 35% body fat? What What are some of the health implications of that? Craig, you want to start us? Sure. Greater risk of diabetes, uh, higher blood pressure. Um, I mean, pretty much any of your like metabolic health issues are always going to be associated with higher body fat percentage. Like there's no positive outcome. And if you're in that stage and you have a lot of those issues, that's generally a symptom of how you've been living and, and you know, a few of the things that we've touched on this, but you don't need to just go, well, I just need to eat more food in order to become healthy. Like, like that, that makes no sense. You need to understand what you're currently, like the first thing you need to do is find out what your maintenance calories are relative to output. And then, you know, simply just set a calorie range and be adhering to it and then start lifting some fucking weights. Like, but also to, I think like to- the foods, like we've talked about this, you and Libby, one of you mentioned this on one of our previous podcasts that the women that are uh, very overweight, you know, again, because when they talk to me, they say, Kitty, I just I restrict, but then I binge and eat all these shitty pufers and just really low quality, not very nutrient dense food. So it's not really an energy issue. Mm-hmm. It's more like, let's yeah, get this, this, I talked about that on the yeah, Craig, you, you yeah. guys like it's a nutrient deficiency. Nutrient deficiency. So it's like, let's yeah. get, let's get you yeah. find your, your, your calorie range where you're eating more on a consistent basis as in stop trying to eat 1200 and then eat 3000 of shit food let's change it over to make sure you're getting enough protein you're eating all these foods that we recommend that contain the nutrients that your body needs to function optimally and then you're like you find that they gradually lose body fat Mm -hmm. and their issues improve so they they need to gain weight well that's where like you mentioned before about uh, eric helms's priority pyramid like it sums it up perfectly like calories are at the base then the macronutrients that make up that those calories comes next, then the micronutrients. So that's going to come from the specific food choices that you have. Meal timing, you know, kind of plays a bit of a role, just more around structure. And then the last 1% is the few supplements that you can add on top to round it out. 
Mm-hmm. Like that should be the priority of what you're doing. And if you nail that, like I've tried to think about, maybe there's a better way I could come up with this pyramid, you know, to make it better. I'm like, I just can't because he, he, he had that now and I have to reference it so much, but that's, that's what it is. It's just like the, the calories you can, you can lose weight eating Twinkies. I mean, there's a study, a guy lost weight eating Twinkies because he just understood how many calories were in the Twinkies and just ate less of them to create. And we're obviously not endorsing that. Right? No, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying the calories have to come first. But I think it's important to accept that. Yes, except you're right. Because everyone, they they always have to go, oh, we can't endorse that or, oh, we can't. But it's like, hey, but it's true. But I mean, like what I mean to say is we're not saying you want you to go out and eat 1,800 calories of McDonald's. No, but I do say that. There's a better way. Yeah, Yeah. but that's that's when, when when you go further up that pyramid, like the macronutrients, you know, how much protein you need. Right, that's that's going to be very different for everyone based on your body weight and muscle mass, and if you are strength training or not. Like your carbs is going to be relative to your your energy needs, and then after that, the micronutrients, right? So all of the things that we talk about, like all of the pro metabolic, that's where that really takes a lot of prevalence because it's like, yes, we need for you know optimal hormonal health. We want to be getting vitamin A. We want to be getting cholesterol. We want to be eating enough of all of these foods in abundance. That's digestible for us as an individual because that can be a little bit of variability for different people depending on certain foods and then like the absorbable rate and just ultimately what you enjoy right but generally if we're thinking about pro-metabolic and the foods that we often uh, talk about there's going to be a happy medium for each individual person within that for them to choose those foods and go this is what i can stick to on a consistent daily basis and tick all of those boxes and that's probably why we all get such good results because we tie in not only the tracking but with the foods, like we say, and I always tell clients like, look, we recommend you eat, pick from these groups of foods 80 to 90% of the time, you know, Mm -hmm. like if you want to fucking go out in the weekend, have a glass of wine and your goal is fat loss, or you want to eat that burger, eat it, but fit it in your macros Mm because you want to lose weight, but it may not be the best choice because, you know, like we talk about, there's different strategies that we advise Mm -hmm. our clients that make eating in a deficit easier. So there's a lot of different things and components that go into it. And I think, if you do all of these things, you combine them all together. That's when you get the best result. I think that's why I really like our approach because I feel like it doesn't just look at one thing like calories in calories out, but we don't ignore that. Obviously like Libby said, cause you can't cause Mm. like Mm. it's a fact. It's it's, it's the line when people are like, Oh, but this food offers so much more. So therefore you burn more calories. I'm like, but still is a calorie energy. (laughs) energy equation yes. like, i don't like the blurring of the lines because it yeah. just uses people so much totally and you know once you track things and you get really specific with it it's so easy to see you mm. can just see yeah yeah um, back, so, uh, back to the um fat fat gain being unhealthy can i just add something as well yeah, yeah. um i've had clients who were very overweight particularly i find ones who gained weight really really fast that had the it had the worst results for them in terms of health and metabolic markers. Um, and I'm not going to lie. As soon as they started losing weight their everything improved metabolic markers, their health improved. So like it's, it, we can talk all we want about like health at every size and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, when you're on the front lines, like we are working day after day with like women to actually help them lose weight and hit these goals and get these results, you see their entire list of biofeedback markers go up, you know, as long as it's all done in like a healthy way. And we're talking about someone who was overweight to start. Um, And there's a lot of like um, estrogen dominance type symptoms that I see lower 
And that's obviously because, you know, it does, you do carry extra estrogen if you have a high amount of fat cells. It's just, mm. it's also another thing that just goes with it. So you I see it, a lot. Hey, in the fat yeah, cells. So like the more fat you've got. Yeah. So I have, this was a, something I was going to bring up um, along those lines. I have a study pulled up that says adipose tissue as a site of toxin accumulation. Mm. So like our toxins are stored in our fat. And so the more fat area we have in our body, the more area our body has to store toxins. And so something that I've noticed is like, it can cause a lot of health complications. So, you know, let's say you're starting at some baseline and you gain a ton of weight, maybe some metrics improved, like maybe your hormones re-regulated, but then you have weird symptoms. If you overshoot that, you're probably going to get to a place where you're going to have to lose the fat, right? So that going there and backwards is not not necessary. Like that's not a necessary path. Like we can just go a little bit slower. And so I think that that overshoot can lead to some toxicity issues. Like Libby was saying, like estrogen dominance or other things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and the fat, the fat that you consume is the fat that you store, right? So if you're eating lots of PUFA, that's ultimately what's being stored in your tissues. And then you know, if you gain weight, like that's, you know, like you're not liberating any of that anymore. You're just adding more fat to those tissues, which is only going to accumulate. Even if you have, you know, changed your diet around significantly, like it's always going to be beneficial if you are above a certain body fat percentage to really focus on removing that, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, the combination of, especially if you're under muscled, the combination of eating in a slight calorie deficit and promoting as much muscle gain as possible is generally going to be from a metabolic standpoint, if that's what we're talking about, going to be the best outcome. And And it's also important to touch on visceral fat, which there's like a lot of studies that show that's, that's very unhealthy. And if you are gaining a lot of fat around your stomach area, and you know, it also talks about like your neck and your face, that's a sign that that's often visceral fat compared Mm -hmm. to just your limbs, for example, like there's, there's health consequences that come with that. And it's just, it's, very stupid of someone to not think about that if they are concerned about their health because yeah there's like a lot of heart attacks and everything are caused by excessive visceral fat so um, and it's interesting as well because I was listening to something or reading something about how when you do go into a calorie deficit you oftentimes actually lose visceral fat first Mm -hmm. um, which you know I guess the body knows it's probably likely more of the dangerous type of fat so yeah, I think it's just, it's interesting. Like subcutaneous fat's not that dangerous. That's more about the looks, but mm. it's the visceral fat that brings with it all those complications as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And uh, if, do you want to say anything more about that topic before I ask the next question? <laughs> Anyone? Ash is looking up. Uh, I think I think we covered. Okay. Um, yeah. One other thing I've really noticed too, and we have talked about this a lot, and I know that these people aren't personally attacking us, obviously, but and usually I'm pretty good. Usually I'm like, ah, whatever, like, you know, but th- there was this one post recently that I read and I was like, you know, and in general, these women saying that being muscular and more leaner is not feminine you know, and working. And I know they're not saying like, they're not like, cause I think, cause I'm like, oh, we've decided not to have kids. I love working in our businesses. You know, I really like strength training, being muscular. So what you're saying is I'm not a woman and I'm not feminine. Like, and I sort of felt a bit like, and again, like I said, they're not, they're not talking to me, but I've, and you know, maybe we've talked about this and Ash, like we've noticed all these posts saying that 
women who are muscular, I nearly commented on it because I really like this person. Like, I think she's great. And I nearly commented and said, like, so like what you're saying then is that myself and Libby and Amy and, you know, the strong sisters, because we all strength train and we're more muscular, that we're not feminine. Yeah. I think it's the way that they're combining now. They're, they're like, they're putting their own spin on what's feminine, but they're also combining like the muscle into that. Whereas, you know, I understand saying, you know, being really overly skinny and under muscled is not healthy. Um, I wouldn't necessarily go as far as to say feminine and not feminine, because that's like, we all have an element of feminine and masculine in us. So I don't know, that's like a whole nother topic, but I think the fact that we're combining like the muscular muscularity into it now, which as we've just spoke for the last hour is, is super healthy. I find that, that kind of, that's the part that I don't, yeah, it doesn't sit well with me because it's also sending a message to other people. And I've then also had women come to me and say, I want to get a little bit stronger, but I still want to keep all my womanly curves and I don't want to look too muscular. And so now we're just putting this other spin on it where it's becoming this aesthetic thing. Mm. But it's really, it's not that at all. Like, like we said before, it's, you know, you can have a healthy muscular woman. You can have a healthy person who's not as muscular. You can have a girl who's bigger boned. You can have a girl who's quite like small boned and she's just naturally small and petite. And we can't just go and say they're all, you know, healthy or not healthy based on the way they look. And that's well, what really gets to me. And not feminine. feminine. Like yeah. they're actually saying that like these were the exact words that, yeah. you know, chasing this lean and muscular look, it's not feminine. Mm. You know, unless you're like getting, having the homestead and, you know, pumping out two or three kids and looking after your husband. And again, I'm not saying like, like I really, I've got friends who just love being mums and I really like, and I love my mum. Like my mum is amazing. I think, fuck, if she didn't have me, I wouldn't obviously be here. I'm so grateful to her. And she's a real motherly mum, isn't she, Craig? Mm. But mums, again, that doesn't have anything to, I don't know. I don't I think feel like. femininity though. No. Like it's like she's feminine, I'm feminine. Just because I'm not a mother, just because I've got more muscles doesn't mean I'm less feminine. Like that's the whole thing. I think it's like why, who defines what's. Who so, defines it and also who yeah. says one is right and one is wrong. Yeah. Can't we all so, be feminine regardless exactly. of what we look like? If we're yeah. females, we, yeah. we are. <laughs> we all got vaginas. <laughs> You know, it's a problem when you start thinking in Instagram reel audios, you know what I mean? Like when you save an audio and you make a reel on it. Mm. And so Kitty made a reel where it says both B O A F both. You can be muscular and you can be feminine. You can have both. Okay. (laughs) You can have both. Um, someone telling me what I should look like to be a certain way. Nope. You aren't going to tell me what to do. Like step number one. No. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that Libby has said this the best in our like chats. We in this state of like extreme confusion on food and like information overload, creating more rules and boxes is just going to lead to more confusion and more problems And why are we creating these strict definitions where I don't fit in that box? So I can't call myself feminine. How do you think that that makes me feel? And how does that make others feel like, oh, I have muscle and I need to stop strength training in order to fit in that box. So I think it's just arbitrary. And who, who wrote these rules and guidelines? I don't know. I like appreciate all female body types, you know, like we'll be walking along and like we bumped into this chick um, 
won't say her name, but we used to know her. We didn't know her from the powerlifting days. And Craig had always commented, like, she's just sexy. I don't know. She's just like, she's just got this, like, it's how she is as well as how she looks. But she's a bigger girl. And she's got, like, she's big and curvy and muscly and she's got big boobs. Like, you know, and I just, I I look at her and think, oh, you're so sexy. But then, you know, like, like, look at Libby. You've got no boobs, Libby. Like, you've got really small boobs. But you've got big ass. You've got muscles. Like, I think you're sexy as fuck too. I think Ash is sexy. I think I'm sexy. You know, I, like, can appreciate the different body types and their how they look and and I still think they're all sexy. But it's like they're saying, well, you're muscular and lean, so you're not feminine. You know, like, it's just, it's crazy. So yeah. people don't realize how much genetics plays into this. So <laughs> if we look at some, I'm trying to figure out the name of this. If you look at someone's... um pelvic girdle in their location to, I want to say, I don't know, essentially your hip dip. So essentially how much your waist goes out and how much of a curve you have is literally based on like the angle of your pelvic bone and its insertion with your leg bone. Like there, there are certain things that are literally by your biomechanics. And so I think that that's a frustrating thing that what people are projecting what has to happen for a female where like a wide there's a wide variety of yeah. female types that work to be feminine <laughs> the same with something like boob size oh yeah or something like the flat stomach like even if i gain weight i still have a six pack i put on three kilos and my six pack's more defined like obviously it's probably some muscle too but I will always have that before I even touched a weight. I had a six pack, like the actual little, you know, so it's literally just genetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, this is leads on to the next topic The you know, women who talk about like, Oh, the pro metabolic eating has made me have the fame, the womanly hips and the bigger boobs. It's like, well, that's your body fat levels. Mm-hmm. Like remember I sent you guys some photos of, I got the implants out. And then there was a period where I was, cause of the TTC, I was sitting at like 6% high body fat my boobs were fuller. Yeah. They didn't look as saggy. And then when I started training, probably got leaner and more muscular and lost body fat down to what, 20%, my tits are saggy like Spaniels mm. is because the fats, I've lost the fat. Again, <laughs> that that drives confusion because people come into my program and they'll be like, I want to lose fat, but I just don't want to lose it around my face or my boobs. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm not God. I can't control that. And so I think that, again, I just, it's all these mixed messages. Like you, it's literally like science 101, you can't spot reduce. Do you know what I mean? That's like, right. there's, but there's, I, I really don't like that as well for the, because then they're like, oh, but so-and-so said you can, or so-and-so said, as you eat more of the pro-metabolic foods, you put on weight only in certain parts of your body. And it's Ooh. like, no, no, nah, you lose it from wherever you fucking lose it. Like that's yeah. your body's yeah. just going to take yeah. it from wherever it wants to. And like you say, some people naturally, like I hold it more on my ass. And then it'll just go everywhere else. And then other people like might be more in their boobs, yeah, you know, or like, but you can't, I just, yeah, it's, yeah, it sends out a miss. It's, it's mixed messages, I think, you know? So I have a really short torso and people with short torsos, you're, you're not going to have a curve. You're not going to be like super curvy. Right. And so if I build my lat and back muscles, and I build my glutes that creates a curve. So like, I'm, I, I am like creating a feminine figure through muscle. And so I think that that's just another, like, and again, mm. none of us are saying 
only muscular people are feminine. No, Mm. non-muscular people can be feminine too. It's just like to literally push us and others outside of that box. That's just, nope, let's not do that. And we just really enjoy lifting as a sport. Like it's our sport, wouldn't you say? We, we, you know, like obviously I would be lying if I said, you know, I don't like to look a certain way. I like looking muscular. I, I like that look, but doesn't mean I don't appreciate women who don't look like me for their, like I've got friends that have not very much muscle at all and, they, and I think they're gorgeous, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like why criticize someone for how they look and say it's not feminine and it's like what's wrong too with, because I think again, like women get on calls with me and they sort of feel like bad for saying I want to improve how I look. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that if you're doing it in a healthy way? Mm-hmm. And if someone was muscular in the past and they had all these health problems, then blame what you were doing and your approach. Don't say that muscle itself, you know, it's the same with like everything, you know, you probably were doing it in a very restrictive way. And, you know, you probably weren't eating the right foods and you weren't, you know, training properly. So maybe you were overtraining and all that, but don't blame the muscle because some people can do it. Who, if you have the knowledge, you know how to do it, then it actually is very healthy. And I don't even take offense myself. If someone was to say, I'm not feminine, I would just be like, I don't care about your opinion, but I take offense when it comes to like, cause I've got a 16 year old daughter. And a lot of these people that are saying it are just living off with the fairies. They don't have daughters yet at teenage ages. So like, come back to me when you have a teenage daughter and tell me that you're saying the exact same things about particular body shapes and body types. When maybe you've got a teenager who's like naturally super skinny or whatever the case may be, like they just wouldn't do that. I know because as a mom, you you're very protective of your daughter and you, you want them to have good body image and you want them to be healthy. And these things are working against that. It's not, it's not promoting good body image. It's just adding more rules, which we don't need diet culture is full of them already. Like, why are we throwing new rules at it now? When it's, it's literally lots of different shapes and sizes, lots of different bone structures, as Ash said, and you can just be healthy with what you have and do the best with what you have, but that's all you can do. So true. And like, you think like, when I think about what I was like in high school, cause I played a lot of sport and I was active and just like you say, my natural, my genetics, I didn't have big boobs. Mm. I was a more athletic looking, didn't have these big waist, curvy hips. Yeah. You know? So am I not feminine? Like what's that saying to me? Oh, you can't, if you don't look a certain way, you're not feminine and this is what's normal. And this is what's healthy as a woman. But like, you know, and I mean, I didn't have any eating disorder issues back then. I just fucking ate the food and played sport. And, you know, before I, then I got into the drugs and the alcohol and the dieting, you know, and it was just like, I just didn't even think about it, you know, but like you say, if your daughter Ash was reading this going, well, mom, yeah, she's enough from TikTok and everything. They have enough like coming at them in terms of, we don't need to add to it. Mm. And I think that like, all of us, we, we tick off all the other boxes in what's considered feminine, right? But not the muscle one. And so why is it just that one that kicks us out, right? Oh, yeah. out. Um, and then one, one more thing, I think Craig can really talk about this one. So I'm not dating anyone right now, but my exes in the past have told me, I love dating a girl that has muscle. There's just something about it that like really is like attracts me to a girl that has muscle. And I think that that's not talked about because these rules are written by like a man isn't writing these rules, right? Like men aren't posting. If you have muscle, I'm not going to be looking at you at a part as a partner and you're not feminine. So I just thought that the weird thing is men aren't writing any of the rules. 
That's the thing. It's all from women, everything from changing your body to this, to that. It's all coming from women. It's not the men. Yeah. And obviously like you have certain types that you're attracted to, right? Like I am just attracted to obviously Craig, you know, and I like, I'm attracted to him because I like that he's muscular. I like, I, he's bigger than me. He's strong. You know, I like that. He's has the same discipline as me. And I, I like how he looks like personally, it's not the only thing, obviously I would just be with him if he was a fuckhead and cause he looks good, but like to me, anyway, he looks good. He's attractive to me, but you know, there's other guys that I know that think, Oh, you're attractive. You know, you're not as muscly as I would probably like, but that's just personal preference. It's not saying that one's healthy or less. <laughs> one's you know, masculine and one's not. masculine. <laughs> imagine, yeah. imagine a list of that. Yeah. yeah it's, like it's, 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 what do you think, Craig? Like, obviously you like, what do you, well, well, I mean, uh, these are just not even thoughts or conversations that just guys have. It, it just is. It. Like, <laughs> you like what you yeah. like. Do you know what I mean? Like, but you've dated do, women do, who are not muscular like me. Like maybe he's yeah. talked about his ex and at the start, it wasn't, he said, it wasn't how she looked at, like she was just normal. Like she didn't do a lot of strength training. She was just at a normal body no. fat level, but it was her attitude, how she was, how she carried herself. And, mm. you know, it, it wasn't until she started to like, cause she was vegetarian and, you know, she was really negative and binge eating and just depressed and didn't want to change anything to get healthier and Im- improve herself. That's when you were like, yeah, I mean, there were other multiple things and yeah. we, we were just taking different directions in life and that's ultimately why it didn't work out. But, you know, it's, it's, I, I think there are certain things with your partner that you share those common values. And I think that's a, like Kitty and I, like Kitty's the most extroverted person I've ever met. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not so much, I, I'm probably more introverted more so, but there are certain things that I, I see in her, not just from a physical appearance that, that creates the attraction and, and why you end up loving someone. Cause it's like, you know, work with women and uh, like you meet lots of them and it's just like, well, why am I so particularly attracted to you? Well, there's, there's a number of things. And it's just like, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm into women, not into men. So there, there is, you know, there is just all these things that tick the boxes. It's like, well, I've chosen you and and it's because of all of these reasons. It's got nothing to do with the fact that while I like the fact that you lift weights, absolutely. And I do absolutely love that look, but it, it's, it's, it's more one the- piece of a giant fucking pizza. Do you know what I mean? And it's, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's a ridiculous conversation to be having, to mm-hmm. be honest. I, I, there's, there's nothing positive about that where other women are telling women just because you lift weights that you're now not feminine and, and that shouldn't be the way. I mean, that's just, and obviously I don't, they, they weren't writing process. that post I mean, thinking about us, obviously. No, no, it's, I'm another, sure it's, a, it's, it's kind of another form of body shaming. It is. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I agree. I yeah. Agree. I think that some of it, some of the, the parts of the posts come from a good place, but when it starts yeah. to make it about physical um, attributes, that's totally body shaming. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And you, you know, think and, like how there is one thing. So I'll just add on to that. Like, you know, th- there is, there is something, and, I, and I'll, I'll purely say this from an objective point that there is something very, very sexy and attractive to me as a guy, to a woman who shows that capability of getting into the gym and fucking grinding out weights and pushing things hard and, and really taking an invested interest in trying to make those improvements and it's just like when that happens, you can see that carries over into so many areas of life, just how they handle themselves, how they interact with other people. Like that to me is sexy as fuck, right? So, 
you know, like Kitty, you definitely have all of those things, but you know, like I said, there's, there's lots of other traits as well, but they don't get me wrong. Like you, you go to especially a commercial gym and you see people doing lots of weird and wonderful stuff. And, you know, my head always turns to the, the, the one female who's fucking grinding it out on the hack squats or something. I'm just sitting there just going, God damn, that's, that's a fucking good look right there. <laughs> but also, you don't hear five. us saying, saying that women who don't do this, like the good example is my sister, my sister, Rachel. Oh yeah. yeah. She doesn't like strength training at all. Yeah. But she's very disciplined and yes. structured and she's yeah. strong and she's confident. She's and, disciplined with her cardio. Yeah, she does. And she's just got onto I'll tracking. How funny is it? Hey, Craig. Like, oh, fuck. My, and anyway, just back to the about her. Like, she's a strong woman too, yeah. but she's not physically strong as in lifts weights. But we don't say to her, oh, you're not feminine or you're not this or you're not that because you're not this type mm. of body shape. Like, it's mm. just a way of being. But funny thing, funny story. So my sister, like, sometimes likes to, like, talk shit about that she doesn't know. And so she gets into this conversation with Craig one day about people and the tracking and the food and Anyway, her and Craig sort of have it out and eventually she backs down because she realized that she doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. But anyway, so all of a sudden they get onto the track. Just a shout out to Rachel. We fucking love Rachel, my sister. She's a legend. She's all right. She'd hear this. We love her. And she'd agree. Um, but like she her in Jersey, they get onto this tracking and eating in a calorie deficit that you can lose weight. And so she's now like, and she's like, she's lost, I don't know, like four kilos or something. And she's like, this is amazing. Like, yeah, because I see what you guys are doing. Yeah. She's like, you know, you can feel all the things that you you like and it's like this little budget and you just have to plan it out. And I still had my drink and it's actually working. Mm. (laughs) And it resonates with her because she's an evaluator. (laughs) Like she, she, she's looking at numbers Numbers. all day and making things add up. So it it really fits to her kind of sense of OCD in a lot of ways. She's like, I fucking love this. I can have this yogurt here. And what do you think about this? Whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's a really good choice. Why don't you do this? She's like, oh yeah, I could make this work. And it's just like, there's, there's this excitement around it. But like for so many years, she was like, no fucking like really stubborn. She just like cut the carbs and then she'd fall off the wagon and you know, like it, but it's just so amazing. Like the light bulb. Hmm. Yeah, people have to play their own way sometimes, don't you think? You You said that about your sister, hey, Libby. I remember you told her about the tracking. Mm. Yeah, and she lost like five kilos and she was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, yeah. yeah. And then you just stand there and you're like, wow, that's awesome. You're like, what have you been saying the whole time? (laughs) So I will will say something on this like feminine and masculine thing. I think that reflecting back on my past, when I was in more of like a – fight or flight state 24 seven. That's when like, I just didn't have the energy to be able to care and support others. Right. But like I lift weights and I, and I still have the, like I'm, I'm past that stage now. And I am able to serve others. Like I have a very, I I have like 400 animals here that I take care of, make sure everyone is fed every day. I love that. I love making sure everyone is nourished and like ready to go. And so like people who strength train can still have these other mother, motherly traits. Mm-hmm. And s- as long as you are supporting yourself and not going to these extremes, you can still have the energy to be able to serve others. Again, it goes back to smart strength training, not overly stressing ourselves out with cardio weights or excessive cardio and things like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I- I, I often wonder, and I don't know, this, I'm trying to think if I can articulate this very well, but like, 
sometimes I feel like these women, some of these accounts, like they just have these underlying body image issues and they don't want to track their food. And it's like, like you can be at a, and like, I think we would all agree that we're not about getting our clients shredded and getting them on stage. We're just about getting them to a healthy body fat range, whatever that, like some people have bigger goals than others. They want to be lean and more muscular, but doing it like I think Libby, you said one day at, at like, number one, I'm a health coach. It's about your health first, always. So, you know, you can have both and it's and okay. The confidence, I'm, I'm all about giving my clients that confidence because that just shines through every other area of their life. It's such a beautiful thing, isn't it? When you see a client completely transform and they're just this yeah. new woman and they're so confident at the gym and yeah. they tell me that they're like, their husband thinks they're like way more <laughs> having sex. Yeah. everything. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it literally spills over into every area of their life. And that to me is just like the best thing ever. Like I can listen to them talk about that all day because it makes me happy. And yeah. I think that that's super underestimated, especially when, when we bring it back to that whole feminine thing, like that, or that even that alignment thing, like when they're finally feeling good in their body, that brings that alignment in their life and that confidence. And like, there's nothing more beautiful than that. I don't think, mm. I mean, like even with men though, like when with my partner, when I know he's happy and he's, and he feels good and he's, you know, he's kicking goals and he's got challenges in his life. Like that's a very masculine need for them. And he's, and it's, he just shines like just this confidence and it's so attractive. And I don't think it's about a particular look. It's literally about helping them find that for themselves. And I think that's why we all do what we do because you can tell when someone's fully transformed, it's mental transformation, emotional transformation, it's everything. And yeah, I think that's, what's attractive in people and humans in general. And it's like, it's this, again, we go back to the balance Mm. meeting in the middle. It's not like, like we, we track and we measure and we, you know, we focus on building muscle, but like, it's not like we never go out to eat or I'm not saying you have to drink alcohol. Cause again, Craig doesn't drink. I don't think alcohol is really adding any health benefit. It's just tastes delicious and it's fun. But like, you know, we still, I, I feel like I've got great balance. Like this is about, and I feel good about my body and how I look. You know, yeah. like and your energy, you have high energy. Like, how many yeah. women tell you they have no energy? That's totally. a, huge, a huge symptom that I hear a lot. And building muscle and being more active brings a lot more energy into your life. It's that whole like energy game, that G flux that you're increasing, like the energy in, the energy out. It's just all more energy everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And you, and you like back to you saying, Libby, about like, and you've probably seen this too, Ash, with clients and they, you know, lose body fat and they build some muscle and they're sleeping again. They've got more energy and suddenly they like, I can, I leave this shit job that I hated or I've yeah. finally, you know, addressed some issues in my relationship yeah. or I've chased yeah. after this dream. I've been wanting to, you know, sometimes like I think about like we work quite a lot, Craig and I, but we really enjoy it. But I think there's no fucking way that I'd ever be able to do what I'm doing if I didn't eat, live and train the way that I do, because, you know, I re- always remember being in like Lynn's coaching group. And there was all these guys that were like burnout and, you know, I'm like, fuck, we work as much as you, but we're never burnout. Mm. I mean, we're yeah. in alignment because we're doing what we love, but also we support our body with enough food. We recover from training, you know, like it's just, yeah. And like- that stress resilience, that training also brings you, it does yeah. make you more resilient in every, like Ash, I'm sure, you know, when you stopped and then you started again, the resiliency that came with it. Yeah. It's, I think that like reflecting back on my past, like I used to have a lot of body image, like being a, being a teenager, I don't know how, like raising one right now, bless you, Libby, being a teenage girl, very hard. And so I reflect back in high school, like I had a lot of body image issues. Strength training was the best thing that I could have done. It, 
I was afraid of the gym and overcoming that fear and then building and seeing progress gave me the confidence and empowerment to truly chase after anything later on in life. Like I can think going back to end of high school, starting strength training for so many of other things that I've done in my life, because it, it gave me that like base foundation of, of confidence, not masculine energy, confidence, just like energy and confidence to do things and chase my passions and my goals and my dreams. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah. Man, rip those deadlifts, do those hack squats. God damn it. Go all the way. About the feminine and the masculine energy, as people say, you can also have too much feminine energy. If you, if you go down that route, not in terms of looks whatsoever, but the energy, what they say is more feminine, more masculine. It can make you a little bit less, like less confident. You know, you, you have less boundaries. You have a hard time having boundaries in life. There's all these things that come with being too much that way. And, you know, you definitely need to have a balance in terms of the, the energy types as well. Like you want to have, you want to be a strong woman. You want to have boundaries as well. Um, and yeah, if strength training is going to help bring confidence in your life, then that's only going to be a plus in all areas. Yeah. And just fucking whatever you are, just be happy. I'm like, fucking everything masculine, feminine, and like this energy, this balance. I'm like, fuck, can't you just be who you are? Be happy. <laughs> Why do you have to overanalyze everything? And like, I'm not saying don't, cause I just think, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to do what I want to be happy. Hmm. Yeah, I fucking want to grow businesses. I want to be strong. You know, I want to do this. I'm just going to do it. Totally underestimated, isn't it? Just do what makes you genuinely happy. Like, how is that not healthy? (laughs) What everyone else thinks. Like, yeah, we've talked about this getting the lift. I was really like, oh, there's two things going through my head. I have to accept my body how it is because that's self love. You did this to yourself, kitty. You got the implants, you got them out, you wrecked your tits. Like you, and now you have to accept it. This is what I was saying to myself. It's not, you're not loving your body if you change it. Like that was one. Two was people are going to judge me. Mm. People will judge me, you know? And then I was like, oh, fuck it. Like who cares? It just doesn't matter. You should just do what makes you happy. And am I happy I got it? Fuck yes. Mm. I'm so happy. Like now I can just like my boobs, no bra, you know, they don't look like spaniels in ears anymore. And, you know, I totally got it for how it looks. 100%. Cause they still function the same. They're still the same boobs. They just look different. And it's not like I walk around naked with my shirt off. I just feel better. I do yeah, feel yeah. better. You do at home. You're quite a naked person. <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. But you know what, do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's just like, and I really appreciate, you know, like you have talked with Libby too and Craig and like, you know, you guys, and I hope you're okay with me saying this because, you know, I'm just so open and honest, but like, it really sort of, Oh, and this is just my own everyone's just like squeezing what is she together? gonna fucking say fuck but like <laughs> i just so many people like you don't need to get it done you're perfectly fine how you are you know like blah 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 but you guys are two of the only people who are really honest and like libby was like look i would probably have got it done too kitty and you were craig like yeah your boobs do look saggy because they fucking di- did the implants- well, I, got, I got braces when i was like when i first left when I first came to Australia, because I had this one front tooth that was just crooked. And anytime I smiled, anytime I talked, I just want to keep my mouth closed. And again, it's not like anyone else cared. Nobody cared. It wasn't, it, it literally was for me. Mm-hmm. And the, that freedom and that happiness that I felt when I got my braces off and my smile was beautiful and my teeth were straight. Like, I don't care what anyone says, but that was just like, it was the best feeling ever. So I completely yeah. relate. Yeah. And I'm like, it's just, it's okay. To, like yep. the fact is I had these huge fucking implants, which stretched the fuck out of them. And now I'm lean. They look saggy. 
Of course, because you've had these boulders in them for like seven years. It's just a fact. I'm not, and you know, like I could have lived with it. It's not like I got up every fucking day and was like, I hate my tits. I hate my body. This is ruining my life. It affects my self-confidence. Like it was not that. It's just, I was like, well, I've got the means to do it. I want to do it. I'm just going to not worry about what people think, you know, like, and I'm just going to fucking do it. And, you know, obviously there is a risk to any surgery and the recovery is a bit shit, but you know, I'm like, well, you only live once. Yeah, that's right. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So mm. yeah. But anyway, I'm just, like, I did get some comments on Instagram, which is, you know, like, you, you get and I would have got the Instagram lift at the time regardless. if we didn't go through this whole fucking two years of trying to have a baby. <laughs> if I, why did, why did you tell everyone on Instagram? Because I reckon no one would even notice. Yeah. reckon that I got, no, they wouldn't obviously. That's what, like, we, that's what we all love about Kidding. I love like, that about you, but like, I mean, genuinely, like, would you would you have ever thought just do it and don't tell anyone on Instagram? Uh, I feel like you just tell everyone everything, anyways. So. Yeah, I do, I do. Yeah, but I sort of learned a bit of a lesson yes. from the whole TTC thing because I got a bit burnt from that because I was like shared it, and then that added extra stress because I was like, oh, people are judging me. Why then can't you I do this? Go and see, but. So you, that, that did teach me a lesson, Libby. And you're right. Like you don't have to share everything. And I think that I was like, fuck that just made, put extra pressure on me to, and made it worse. And that made me really think about like, oh, you don't need to share everything. You know, like you need to get burnt a bit. (laughs) Someone's like, Hey, did you get your tits done again? And you're like, fuck, I didn't say that. yeah, sorry, Ash, what you say? Yeah. No, that goes back to the feminine, feminine, masculine thing. Like, so it's somehow okay to be, I'm not saying anything bad about you. I'm, I'm talking about these rule boxes. It's somehow okay to be able to share your life on social media, share about like what you're eating, make money on social media. Like that is a feminine thing, but having muscle isn't. Again, it's just showing these, these are just kind of arbitrary. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, which all of us share. So like, I'm not saying like I share a ton on yeah. our social media too. I'm not saying anything bad, but to make that okay and feminine fall under a feminine category, but not having muscle. It's just silly. Mm-hmm. Or if you don't have kids, if you're a woman who doesn't want to have kids, you're not feminine. That's yeah. the most ridiculous. <laughs> Some people, yeah. yeah, that's weird. So there's one other thing I want to ask about this on the list because this comes up all the time. <laughs> Shouldn't eat low-fat dairy. <laughs> it's full of chemicals. It's so processed. Like, it's so bad for you. You shouldn't eat low Because we get it all the time because you guys eat low-fat, some low-fat dairy, some full-fat dairy. You know, like, can you talk about that? I think in, like, maybe like around, 15 minutes around 10 morning. years back, there yeah. was this, like, not a meme, because there wasn't really memes back then, but there was, like, a quote that was, like, in fashion going around, and it was the whole chemical shitstorm thing. It's, like, you know, low fat is not healthy. They've removed the fat, and they've added a whole bunch a whole bunch of sugar and chemicals, so it's a chemical shitstorm now. But I think that people just hold on to that, so they automatically think if the fat's taken away, therefore there's chemicals added. But it's not, because you can just read the ingredients. It's just milk. Yeah. Reduced fat milk with fat removed basically. So I will say that, you know, America, we've, we've done a, we've done a lot of things wrong. One thing we've done really well at is like messing up our food system. We've done really, we've excelled at that. (laughs) And, um, there are some papers showing that like, there's like microtoxins and weird stuff in some of our dairy. 
And then some people are allergic to some of the like carriers in the fat soluble vitamins that are added back to reduced fat dairy. And so people can have negative reactions to those things. And then the pasteurization process has changed a lot. And so whether or not those impact the protein structures. And so there's a lot of variables as to why someone may not tolerate a low fat dairy. And then if you go to just full fat raw milk, all those variables are removed. And so it's like, oh yeah, like, of course someone is going to digest that well because all like all of the potential problems, but that doesn't make this a, a bad food. I think the, the best thing to think about is how does someone make butter? Where does that butter come from? It comes from full fat milk. Where, what do you do with the rest of the milk that was used to make butter? It would be uneconomical, unresourceful to just throw that all away because it's bad. Our ancestors would make, our ancestors would make the butter and then use every last drip of that milk, which would be skim milk. They would use it. Mm-hmm. And so again, it goes back to putting things in categories, like Libby said, like the feminine masculine boxes, we can now have these boxes of good and bad food, which is like low fat dairy is bad. Full fat dairy is good. And I think that some people will definitely be more sensitive to certain low fat dairy products, not because it's a low fat dairy product, but because potentially some of the processing may cause issues. So find a different source. Yeah, because I think Australia has much better dairy than the US. Like legally, they have to add back in what vitamin D and vitamin A. But in Australia, we just have our milk is just literally reduced fat milk. Yeah. And reduced fat cheese. And like, yeah, there's no, so it's it's just still like um, Greek yogurt is just like when you get Chobani and these, it's literally just like no fat, but there's nothing added unless you get like sugar added or something. Yeah. Yeah. So there's nothing inherently wrong. And like, obviously, like we've talked about this too. There's a certain amount of fat you need in your diet, but I think it's much less than people think. And if you're having liver and you're having, you know, some, um, some dairy and some fats in meats, you're going to get those fat soluble vitamins. Anyway, you don't need like a hundred grams of fat to necessarily get the amount that you need. Right. Like, so, and I think too, that can be a really, and I just find personally, like, cause we're, you know, I'm so active. Like if I ate really high fat and less carbs, I just wouldn't have the energy. Mm-hmm you know, and like, cal- they're just, ex- it's just excess calories. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. Uh, you, a lot of people come to pro metabolic and all of these like very nourishing foods, like full fat milk, as an example, which I eat every day, I eat our raw goat milk, which is full fat every single day, but I plug it into my overall caloric intake to make sure that I'm not way overshooting. Mm. If you just throw on a ton of full fat dairy, that will allow you, that will drastically increase your calories in. And it's okay if you account for it, but it's very easy for those to add up. And then one quick thing, I think it's important to consider. So like you got full fat milk and you got skim milk, skim milk still has nutrition. I think that people forget this skim milk still has B vitamins. It still has calcium. It still has bioavailable things. Wouldn't you guys agree? It's the calcium. I'm not saying it's the only thing we want, but it's one of the biggest things that we're trying to get from the dairies, the calcium, and that exactly. doesn't change whether it's low fat or full fat. Yeah. And you're, yes, you're losing some of the fat soluble vitamins that are in the full fat, but if you're eating your liver, you're going to have your retinol needs covered. And if you're getting your sunlight, you're going to have your vitamin D needs covered. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not saying any are 
either option is good or bad, you do have to find which one your body works, like what works for your body and whether a certain source is processed in a way that you like. Um, in the US, my biggest tip for people is try to find a local source as much as possible. And that doesn't have to be raw. If it is raw, that's great. But if you if you focus on organic milk, there are so few organic dairy operations in the US that that milk has to travel very far to this large vat. So there's more pr processing steps. And so if you're able to go to your grocery store and be like, hey, I want to buy a milk that was built in our state. Do you guys have any sources? Many do. Like we have a few dairies within a hundred miles of us that supply skim milk, low fat milk, low fat cottage cheese, things like that in a smaller area. So I think just trying different sources, um, don't just rule one out because you didn't tolerate one specific source. Mm. Yeah. I think with two, when it comes to like losing weight, what do you guys find? Like protein's important, hit the protein target first then mm. would you guys have a general range that you find most clients fall in just a range like for, for fat. fat for fat yeah i would say generally i see for women between 40 to 70 i wouldn't necessarily go higher or lower than that i mean lower if they're like really tiny maybe but mm. yeah mm. that's my range yep same craig same yeah and then the carbs obviously just make up the rest mm. yeah adjust them mm. yeah yeah and sometimes it's just a, it literally is just bit of personal preference like you, obviously you set the calorie target then the protein and you know often at a time like we, we would do an onboarding call like I, I won't go any further than that we'll like build a meal plan and just kind of like you know talk to them about you know the structure of their day what foods they like to eat and you just kind of plug it in and then because you've got your calorie and your protein target you then can kind of go okay well it just happens with the rest of the food that we've added in they, they want to have some potatoes and they want to have a little bit more fruit and different things like that 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 person might just have a slightly lower end fat range, which is generally, as Libby sort of said, down around that sort of 40 grams. So the, the rest is just going to become from carbohydrate. And that's just the way that it falls. Because mm. generally, if I'm building a meal plan for someone, I'm, I'm always asking them, okay, how many meals do we want? How much, what's your day like? You know, like ask them all the questions and that just what it works out. And often people are like, oh, should I have more fat, whatever? And I'm like, yeah, but you, no, you don't need to because it's just worked out the way that you've built this meal plan based off your preferences. And this is just the way they fall. If it all still feels under the, the calorie range that you need for whatever your goal is, whether it's a deficit or maintenance, whatever, it's not going to matter. And then, you know, the person might go on a little bit more and they're like, oh, they start changing their foods around. Like, I can't fit with this lower fat. Can I have a bit more fat? And this is like, well, you can just bring your carbs down a little bit more, add a little bit of fat in, but it's still falling under the calorie range. It's all going to work. Do you know what I mean? So I think a lot of people who like promote just the full fat, which I love full fat and as much full fat dairy you could fit mm. into your caloric needs, do that. Um, but see, people will say, oh, you need fat to build cholesterol for your hormones. Um, but will that will, you, you will consume enough at like, let's say, you know, 70 grams. That's maybe your threshold of like, okay, all my cholesterol and hormone needs are covered. Does consuming 120 allow you to do that better? No, you're just over consuming energy at that point. So I think more isn't always better. Again, finding that balance of what you need at this stage in your journey. Mm -hmm. And also remember like other foods that you consume also have those nutrients in them as well. Like if you're eating liver, 
like and you're you, you you're eating red meat and you're getting eggs and stuff like like you, you're getting a lot of those things as well so mm. you know yeah mm. totally. take that into account awesome mm. well, this has been great guys i'm sad that we have to wrap it up now because i need to get on the call is there anything else that you want to add to find to finish off no okay mm. cool for okay. having us well, I'll drop everyone's links mm. below and that study that Libby talked about, send that to me and I'll pop that in. Um, and you know what I was thinking would be a cool idea. We could do like a get you guys back on and I'll do out a and a and people can just ask questions. That would be a cool one to do. Mm. Yeah, maybe we should do that in the future. Yeah. Like that. yeah. And it, it'll take us like five months to actually do the podcast because like various mm. people were sick and then, you know. Yeah. Sarah's <laughs> sick. That's why, that's why Sarah's not here. Sarah's sick. It but we just had, took us. we've been holding this off for so long. We just had to say, "All right, we're going." Yeah, I think mm-hmm. all of us at one point were sick and said, "Can we re- yeah. can we can we reschedule?" That's mm-hmm. what happened. It's pretty funny. Um, so anyway, thanks again, uh, guys, uh, and o- as always, um, take a screenshot and share this on Instagram stories and tag all of us and share your biggest takeaways. And uh, each month I pick a winner and they get a tub of someone who shared and they get a tub of um, uh, Saturay Premium Collagen. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Bye.